0: You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And this morning, that that uh, Super Bowl three trophy is looking a little lonely. So, what huh? are you talking about? No, it's not him. There is only one
1: more. There is only one.
0: More! There that's it! One more! Get it around! No! They saw your team. Put up zero effort. Wake up! Remember in the old days they used to have oxygen for Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this. This. this is the Sports Loud Mouse.
1: Yay!
0: Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beatty. You're not even a has been. Here never was, here never was, here never was. It
2: is April 26th, three days away from my birthday. You are listening to the sports lamouts. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you could. And you can tune in to all our shows throughout the week, including the Sports Loudmouths, which airs every single Wednesdays at 7 p.m., which we are live right now, and Thursdays at 9 p.m. every single week. Great show, great content great guests listen to the sports loudmouths every single week on the worldwide sports radio network our number to call tonight 631 speedy pd what is up Well, uh, all you
3: Jets fans out there, you got a early, for Errol, early birthday gift and an early uh, NFL draft gift. So uh, you finally got it. You finally don't have to worry about, oh, same old Jets going to screw everything up because they finally got their wish. But I'm certainly happy as a Knicks fan as well. They're up 3-1 to and not so happy as a Ranger fan. We
2: received him. We didn't got him. We received him. So for all the fans out there that were just unsure if he was heading to the New York Jets, Boy, oh boy. And by the way, Ben, I don't know why you are hating on Aaron Rodgers all of a sudden. Bye to Rodgers. I just want to let something go to all those Packer fans. For anybody to think Jordan Love is just going to take the reins and win you a Super Bowl or become Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre, you guys are out of your mind. I don't know how good Jordan Love is. We have not seen what he could do in a full season. We've seen him in one game last year, practically the second half of the Eagles game, and everybody and every single Packer fan thinks he's going to run with it. You don't know what he's going to run with. You don't even have weapons for him. Watson is the only legitimate weapon they have of there, and, and maybe they're running Game and Jones, but... Again, without Aaron Rodgers, how good is Jones? That's the question. So there's a lot to get into the Packers in the draft and what they're going to do this offseason after Aaron Rodgers signs the contract. They have to give him a physical tomorrow. They're doing it in the morning. And then after the physical, he will sign the contract. And once that happens, we'll know how the contract is set. I believe Aaron Rodgers is only going to take $15 million a year, which gives the Jets $42 million to work with, which helps the Jets because they can sign Quinn and Williams and maybe bring in some free agents that they can add to this team and just make them a lot better and give Aaron Rodgers more weapons and more help on the offensive line. Lots to get into. At 8.30, we'll be talking to Pro Football Network's NFL Draft Analyst, Ian Valentino. So uh, he will be joining us at 9.30. We'll be talking to game day NFL draft analyst Michael Rockman. He'll be joining us as well. So two guys, two analysts that will get into the draft, their opinions on who they believe is moving forward uh, in this draft and who's going to fall out of the top ten. I believe still that Carter could fall out. So there's, there's a lot to get into uh, moving forward with these two guys uh, a little bit later in the show. Aaron Rodgers traded to the Jets. Packers, and we will get into pack, what the Packers get, what the Jets get, and we'll get into that first. Joe Douglas also says he is optimistic about getting a deal done with Quinn and Williams, which probably will happen after the draft, after he signs his rookies. Um, Knicks take a 3-1 lead over the Cavaliers. Tonight's game, they're up 9-7 right now with 744 left. In the uh, first quarter, so we will get into that a little bit later in the show. The Devils and Rangers tie two two the Islanders down three to two as they win the other day three to two to head back to the UBS arena and maybe pull it off and, and go back to a game seven. I think they lose in six that 's just my opinion, but uh, we will get into that NBA and NHL playoff updates. We have let's parlay segment as we'll have some betters on, uh, so they can get you and give you their best parlays of the week. Uh, Bracket wars uh, as we have the number eleven seed Commanders of the nineties versus the number three seed two thousand Lakers, and the number ten well number ten seed Spurs of the two thousands versus the number two seed Oilers of the nineteen eighties. And our mock draft at the end of the show. We will have Carl on the show, Jeff. Uh, as Jeff will be his idiot self as always, and
3: Derek as well.
2: Oh, oh Derek's going to join us yep. too. So, so we'll have four, five guys p- and making their uh, first round valued picks, and we'll see where how we match up. I mean, last year me and Jeff were practically head to head as far as our picks, and I actually picked before him, so it can't. He can't say that I was trying to copy him. <laughs> so True. It, it, it's to me. Just ridiculous that comes – some of the stuff that comes out of that guy's mouth.
3: Kevin Jackson was literally copying a lot of my picks last year.
2: Yeah, well, uh, we haven't heard from Kevin in a long
3: time. Yeah, six months or so. It's crazy, man.
2: And by the way, on Saturday will be my 41st birthday. So I am getting old. I don't look old, but I'm getting old. So, yes, uh, it is my birthday week. And uh, my birthday bash will be May 15th. We're working on it right now. So uh, for all the people, all the fans out there that want to come out and hang out and have a good time with us, uh, there'll be a lot of people coming out. I would say I'm not looking for 50 or 60 people to come out. I would say 40 to 30 would be fine for me. I don't want too much of a crazy party like I do every single year. It just gets out of hand. But uh, um, I'm hoping to have a a good gathering uh, with a bunch of friends and fans and family. So Looking forward to it. Maybe including Kenny. <laughs> Who knows? Could you imagine Kenny come out?
3: He keeps asking me for like the last
2: two weeks. Like, Maybe I'll he? invite Kenny. Maybe. Uh, the craziness of Kenny. It's uh, I, I I don't know if I can handle Kenny. I don't know. He might bring the wax. Mm.
3: Uh, no, Snug. Anchorage man will not be coming to Errol's birthday bash.
2: <laughs> no, definitely not. But, uh, yeah, on Friday, Adam Schefter reported Aaron Rodgers was traded to the New York Jets as uh, the Jets uh, give up uh, a second-round draft pick this year, a sixth-round pick, and a first-round pick. They also uh, swapped first-round picks from 13 to 15. Uh, I, I think the real real big part of this trade was the, the first round. If, if the Jets play well, or actually not even if the Jets play well, if Aaron Rodgers plays 65% of the snaps next year the Green Bay Packers will receive the Jets first round draft pick next year. And I will guarantee you guys this if Aaron Rodgers plays sixty five percent of the snaps next year, sixty-five, the Jets are easily going to make the playoffs. So I, I don't know and I'm that's coming from me. It's not coming from Sauce Gardner, which he was on a bunch of podcasts and he was on one big podcast, which he came out on his Twitter account and and corrected some of the things that he said. But I am saying it. This isn't Sauce Gardner. This isn't anybody else on the Jets. I am telling you, if Aaron Rodgers plays 65% of the snaps this year, the Jets make the playoffs easy. Because they had seven wins last year with three quarterbacks. With Aaron Rodgers playing over 65%, even if it's 12, 13 games, they're definitely going to win 10. And I believe at 10, he will win 10 out of 13 games. I believe the Jets could win 11 or 12 this year, depending on how the schedule falls and, and really the home games to away games and how they're connected to one another. I, and, and, and they're going to play at least six primetime games this year. They played one. One last year. It was a Thursday night football game. It was at the end of the season. It really wasn't even primetime. It was, to me... Bum time, because I, I didn't want to watch them. but
3: It was for you, but it wasn't for Mr. Foye Oluokin.
2: <laughs> yes, uh, as uh, the Jaguars knocked off the New York Jets, and that was uh, fun for the Jaguar fans. But nevertheless, um yeah, the Jets will play at least six primetime games this year, maybe even seven, they're saying. So Aaron Rodgers changes everything for the New York Jets as far as primetime games and and letting the fans... Be interactive with the team, which Aaron Rodgers is excited to meet some of the new players that he's going to play with this year. That's why he showed up today, and he will be there. He's looking for an apartment or a condo over there in New Jersey. He wants to get to know his area of living for the next year, maybe even two. So uh, the Jets also trade a 2024 second-round pick to the Packers, which could become a first-round draft, draft pick, like I said, if you play 65% of the snaps. Uh, Rodgers has played 65% of the snaps in 13 of his 15 seasons. He has been a starting quarterback. The pick swap this year is only two picks apart, which means in between those picks – is the New England Patriots. So uh, for all you Patriot fans, uh, I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. maybe the Patriots screwing the New York Jets if they actually pick one of their Maybe guys. there'll be draft board spygates. Who knows? <laughs> uh, the Jets will only fall back two spots at number th- th- from number 13 to number 15. The Jets will have to pay Rodgers $59.46 million in guaranteed money of salary and bonuses this season. No, they won't. As uh, there was stories coming out that Aaron Rodgers, when he signs and gets through his physical and he signs his contract on the contract, he will give the Jets some. Uh, I guess salary room to bring in Quinn Williams and to, to bring in some free agents. So the story is now he will take 15 million this year and they will spread it out for the next two years after that. Even if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play next year or the year after. So uh, it, it definitely helps the jets out and it will open up the floodgates of free agents that might want to play for with Aaron Rodgers moving forward after the draft. Um, the Jets will have to pay. I said that already. However, because Aaron Rodgers' bonus money is uh, prorated, his contract only counts to $15.8 million against the cap for, for the Jets' cap this year. That's what I said, and that's what will open up at least $41, $42 million for the Jets to use uh, this offseason. The Packers will have $40.3 million in dead cap money on their salary cap this season because of the trade. Uh, Rodgers is a Packer is the Packers all time leading touchdown passer. 475 touchdowns completion percentage, 65.3% and a passing rating of 103.6 for his career, which is the most in NFL history. Joe Douglas believes this will be a positive for Zach Wilson as well. Saying him, Having the opportunity to really shadow one of the greatest quarterbacks of this era is only going to help him moving forward. Aaron Rodgers gave a farewell to the Packers fans and the city of Green Bay on his Instagram saying I'm not sure it's possible to fully express my the gratitude that I have had for the Packers, our incredible fans, the state of Wisconsin, and the thousands of players that I cross paths with, incredible men and women who work for the organization and amazing people who I got to meet along the way in one of uh, in one of the posts, with ten pictures, but I hope you read this and feel my heart and soul filled with love, joy, and peace about my time in green and gold. Uh, the Jets now have a six uh, a sixth best Super Bowl odds according to multiple betting platforms, with most of them having them as fourteen to, to fourteen to one odds to win the super Bowl so Um, If you're a Jet fan, it's exciting. I I can't sit here and say that it isn't. And I'm not going to talk about Aaron Rodgers this whole show. okay? I'm going to give him the respect and give him another 12, 13 minutes, and I'm I'm sure I want to hear your thoughts, Speedy. But this offseason was basically, where is Aaron Rodgers going? It had nothing to do with anybody else. Nobody cared about the other free agents. Everybody wanted to know what Aaron Rodgers was doing. And then when free agency opened up and everybody was signing, Derek Carr goes to the Saints, everybody was wondering, is this ever going to happen? And then when he came out on the Pat McAfee show and said he wants to play for the Jets, then you hear Craig Carton come out with this crap saying that he got an email from somebody, of a, a, a good source from the San Francisco 49ers saying that the 49ers are going to make a run at him, which was absolute. Crud, And then you were hearing stories that he could go to Tennessee, which was never going to happen because they're they're planning to trade Derrick Henry sometime before the draft or during the draft to get prospects or draft stock. So they're rebuilding and they're trying to possibly move out Tannehill, draft a quarterback in this year's draft. Maybe they move up and get Richardson if he falls. Aaron Rodgers was the story going into this offseason. If he was going to retire like Tom Brady and J.J. Watt did. Or was he going to move forward as a 40-year-old quarterback if he believes he could still play? And tonight, or today, this afternoon, when he spoke at the Jets press conference, he said, I wouldn't be playing if I didn't believe I could play at a high level. I wouldn't have taken this challenge if I didn't believe I could play at a high level. And he was very quick for answers. He can handle the press out here. If there's any quarterback in the NFL can handle scrutiny, it is Aaron Rodgers. How much scrutiny has Aaron Rodgers dealt with for the last five, six years with the COVID, with his foot situation, everything. Everything that he has said off topic of the NFL and football and then hanging out in the darkness, smoking whatever he wants to smoke in the offseason. Aaron Rodgers is not afraid of what the press thinks of him or anybody thinks of him. And that's what makes Aaron Rodgers clear to play in New York. Because over the last couple of years, really since Vinny Testaverde, all these quarterbacks couldn't handle the scrutiny. Brett Favre couldn't handle the scrutiny when the, when the Jets were 8-3, and three, playing the Patriots on Thursday night football, and he hurt his shoulder. He couldn't handle the crap that the press was throwing at him after he lost consecutive games for the Jets and then had to sit out because of his shoulder. Then he went to Minnesota and went all the way to the NFC title game. And somebody at the press conference brought up the whole Brett Favre thing and said, what are your thoughts to going another Green Bay quarterback, a Hall of Fame Green Bay quarterback going to the same team, jumping ship and going to the same team, and and, not, and, and pro- possibly not failing like the other quarterback. And he said, listen, me and Brett have had this conversation in the past. So not to go to the Jets, but in the past, uh, uh, possibly moving on and playing for another organization. And I don't think Brett Favre cares right now where Aaron Rodgers is because he could be heading to jail. But nevertheless, when you sit here and you look at the position that the Jets are in right now, you should be excited. I don't care about the odds of Vegas. I don't care what anybody or any Jet or Jet hater feels about Aaron Rodgers heading to the Jets. And I'm going to tell you why. Because if Aaron Rodgers believes he is the missing piece to this organization, to this team, of winning another Super Bowl, as he said, the one trophy is missing another one, pretty much what he said today at the press conference, it means he's coming here to do one thing. And that's to win another Super Bowl with the New York Jets. Uh,
3: before I get to my sp- bit, uh, Frankie Caniglio, asks, uh, who's responsible for the $59.5 million? Well, the Jets are still paying it. What it, yes. is, what it is is the reason their salary cap number for this year is lower is because most of it is in the signing bonus. So they, whatever, $43, 44000000 million. Agree- or, yeah. They
2: have already agreed before he signs this contract that he will only cost $15.5 million this year. He's helping the Jets out. Now, the Jets could have given him the $58 million right now. But that would hurt the Jets in re-signing Quinton Williams and maybe adding other pieces. So his agreement to the Jets is he will take less this year to spread it out, to give the Jets the opportunity to bring in players that can help them now.
3: Uh, Michael Geiger in the comment section yes. also says uh, they have an extra home game also because they play the Giants as the yes. away team. Yeah, which uh, Brandon Jacobs will probably have to be paying for at this rate, unless it's like week one.
2: Unless <laughs> well, it's week one. Well, we like have that. a bet with Brandon yeah. Jacobs. And, <laughs> and before this whole Aaron Rodgers thing happened, the bet was, and this is the truth, if the Jets have a better record than the Giants when they're about to play the Giants in whatever week they play, that he would have to take me and Speedy out to dinner and out to uh, out to the Jet game with his son. That he will fly from Georgia to up here to take us to the game. Now, if the Giants have a better record than the Jets do when they play the Jets, then I would have to take Speedy, his son, and Brandon to the Jet game, get great seats, and take them out to dinner. That was our bet when he came on the show. He agreed to it, and I'm sure he will follow through with it. So... I don't know what's going to happen because the Giants, uh, their schedule might fall the same way as the Jets. And they could have the same record. Then we're going to have to try to figure out what's going to happen with that. But Point differential. Yes, yeah, so we'll figure it out. But in in essence, I believe with adding Aaron Rodgers, the Jets should have a better record than the Giants by the time they play. They usually, when they play every four years, play in December. Yes. It's around December, so it's usually uh, week nine, week ten. So we'll get enough sample size on all the teams, both the Jets and the Giants, on where they're going to be.
3: Yeah. I have to say, Brandon Jacobs, you have to hope it's like week two and maybe the Jets just lose a, like a big primetime game week one or something like that to another good team. That's not going to happen. And the Giants get an easy game. They move the
2: it sense. around Christmas time because it's a great Christmas No, no, no I, I'm
3: not saying it is going to happen. You're right. I think I think three of the last four have been in December. And then the one that was in
2: 2015 when the Ryan Fitzpatrick was in came back on
3: the Giants was in November. Yeah. So, so yeah. It, it's
2: later. So I, I believe the Jets will have at least six. Six or seven games under their belt, and so will the Giants. So it, it, it's going to fall where, where the records are going to fall. The question is, who will have the better record, the right. Giants or the Jets? Now, I want to go back, go back to uh, Michael Gieser's
3: comments as yes. well. They fleeced the Jets in quotes, clowns. Anyone that watches football should know this, and
2: that's where I actually wanted to
3: get that. Well, hold Why on, are all these people believing that the Packers fleeced the Jets? I, now,
2: let me ask you guys a question, <laughs> yeah. and I, I, I'm going to go through what the Jets gave up and what the Jets got. All right. So it's it's very simple. The Jets gave up this year's second round pick, which was 42nd, which they got from the Browns for Elijah Moore. All right. So they're right there at 43, right behind the 42nd pick the Green Bay Packers Packers got. Now, there was talks that the Jets were not going to move down from 13 or trade the Green Bay Packers this year's first round draft pick cuz they want to draft an offensive lineman to help out on that line. Now they're talking about a wide receiver, but that's a whole other story. The reason why the Jets did this, because they're only jumping, they're only moving two spots, and they still could get the offensive lineman that they wanted, 15, the way this, this draft could fall. all right. So I, that doesn't hurt the Jets. They still have their first-round draft pick, which is a plus for the New York Jets, and they have a second-round pick. They gave up their third next year, uh, this year to get into the second round. They gave that with Elijah Moore. They flopped picks at six and five. The Jets gave the Packers the six, and the Jets got their fifth pick, which is good for the Jets because they can move up in the fourth round or take the four, their fourth and their fifth and move up in the third round if they like a player. And then the last one where everybody thinks the Jets got fleeced, the Jets gave up a second-round draft pick next year. And if Aaron Rodgers plays 65% of the snaps, which he will, 65%, They're probably going to give up a late first-round draft pick. And if you look at it, it's probably, if the Jets have a good season, they win 11 or 12 games, it'll probably be 26 or 27, which is practically a second-round pick. So I understand why everybody thinks that the Jets got fleeced. They got a Hall of Fame quarterback that I believe played with a broken thumb last year, he wasn't at 100% and still threw over 30, almost 3,700 yards, still led the NFC with 24 touchdowns, threw what, nine interceptions? He was the best, and, and past, as far as his quarterback rating was probably the lowest he's ever been in the last five, five or six years, but still had a pretty good pass, quarterback rating at 91%. He is automatically the greatest quarterback the Jets have ever had. And you sit here and all you jet haters or think that the Jets got fleeced, they didn't get fleeced. They gave up a first round draft pick. Yeah, they did. It's a late first round draft pick. And right now the Jets have to worry about signing these youngsters because two years from now, they gotta sign Elijah Vera Tucker. Mm-hmm. Then three years from now, they got to sign a Sauce Garner and Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall if they want to keep him or let him go. Which corner and receiver contracts are really expensive now. So, so the, more, the more youth that they bring to this team, the more they have to spend to these players when Aaron Rodgers is gone. So what the Jets are looking at is we're ready to win now. If we can win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers in the next two years, who cares if we give up a first?
3: we're going to have to pay that first one way or another anyways right it's going to be a larger rookie contract too which might not help um, going back to Mike's comment he said about it uh, the, about them fleecing the the Packers the Packers fleecing the Jets think about it what the what the trade is as a whole even if you want to simplify it like this cuz they only traded the Browns second round pick which they got for Elijah Moore so they would have been just trading their third anyway so it's essentially they traded Elijah Moore a third round pick a sixth round pick and then a conditional first round pick for a Hall of Fame quarterback
2: john says i'm sorry but the jets aren't winning 11 11- games. And I'm going to tell you why they could win. I think they could win 12 games. I think they could win 12. And there's a lot of of reasons why. Here's one. The Jets were the worst team in the AFC East last year. They had the worst record. That means they have to play all the low four seeds in each of the divisions in the AFC this year. Each of them. So all those teams that were a crud last year, they have to play them. That could be automatically three wins right there. Three. Three wins right there. They will win. They have to play the Patriots, the Miami Dolphins, and the Buffalo Bills twice each team. That's six games. They're probably going to win three out of the six. I'm going to predict they're going to win four out of the six. So how many wins is that now, Speedy? That's seven, okay? And then you look at the other teams. If you look at all the teams that they have to play, they have to play the NFC East. You think Washington's going to beat them? Honestly, do you think the Giants are better than the Jets are on paper? They're not. The Cowboys? The Jets have beaten the Cowboys every single time they've played them in the last two times they've met.
3: Jeff's favorite game of all time. And not just <laughs> beating them.
2: Dominated them. And the, the Philadelphia Eagles, which, by the way, the Jets have never beaten. Nope. Never. This could be the year they beat them. They can win all four of those games. They are matched up against Kansas City, but they're playing them in New York. They are playing L.A. Yeah, Don't worry. They'll win that game. The Chargers will find a way to blow it. <laughs> they always do. I'm just saying. You say the Jets aren't going to. Right there, I just gave you gave you Jets the Jets nine wins. Nine. Nine wins. And they still have – if we look at all the games that they have to play this year, I think they're matched up in Carolina-Tampa. I think they have to play that Atlanta, Atlanta. Atlanta too. Okay. They could beat Atlanta.
3: I think it's Atlanta. And then the other two tiebreaker games would be the Browns and the Texans in the AFC. So.
2: Browns are going to be hard. The Texans are going to beat. I mean, come on, guys. To think that the Jets can't win 11 games, they are absolutely going to win 11 games this year. And, John, I know you don't want to give the Jets credit for this, and maybe you, you're just – you're doubtful to think the Jets aren't going, they're going to win nine. You're telling me adding one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and he is one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL still. You're actually telling me that they're only going to win two more wins than they did last year when they had the worst quarterback play in NFL history. What are you, nuts?
3: He also said, "Yeah." Nine. And
2: their schedule was harder last year.
3: Yeah, Johnny also says nine. That's a maybe. That I mean, you'd have to have like the worst injury luck imaginable to win nine games with the way the Jets' schedule is set up. Their because...
2: schedule is the easiest they've had it in over seven years. Look at the teams they have to play. The schedule hasn't come out, but you know who they're going to be matched up against, and who 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 and what they're playing at home against. So I'm telling you right now, the Jets are winning. Way over nine games. I, I'm no less than ten. No less than ten. Right. And again, you're
3: looking at a case of the AFC West has gone through a lot of different turnover this offseason too. The Chargers are back trade Austin Eckler. I like this bet. They already cut Keenan Allen. What do we got? I like here? this
2: bet. He says, Errol, I'll fly you to the beach resort in Arizona if the Jets win more than ten. I'll take that bet. You want to go to Arizona? I'll take that like, bet. You, you don't like Florida.
3: You, you want to go to I'll Arizona? I'll take that bet.
2: I'll take that bet. I'll give you a check on that. I will take that bet and run with it, John. I'm taking it. 100%. I'm running a repeat every week since week 11. Again, we're not going to know that by then, John, unless they lose
3: all 10 games. We're not going to I'll do. figure out. If
2: I lose that bet, I'll figure out something for you, John. But I'll take that bet. 100%.
3: And that seems like a good range, too. Like Ten, like, nine would only be, like, the worst case of injury luck imaginable, or if they just really struggle in their division still. But, again, there's a lot of other circumstances outside the division that's a lot easier than last year. The AFC West, a lot of those teams have gone through a lot of different changes. The Broncos did it for the better, but the, the Chargers, again, they lost Keenan Allen. They're going to probably trade Austin Eckler. Their coach is on the hot seat. The Chiefs, I mean, they've won the Super Bowl, and they've done well in terms of drafting and, and adding players and stuff. But, still, that doesn't mean they're necessarily better or worse, and then the Raiders, they're looking like a dysfunctional
2: mess. How could you not think the Jets are not going to win 10 games?
3: That's crazy! Yeah. That's crazy! They'd have to go like 1-5 and five in division to do that. Their acts.
2: schedule was harder last year! right? And they won 7 games! They won 7 games in the, the first half of the season! right? They lost their last 6 games! They should have won 10 games last year if they had decent quarterback play! This year their schedule's easier!
3: NFC East is not going to be as good as it was last year where you're going to have free playoff teams. Maybe, Maybe they do, but again, it's not going to look like that same way on paper. It is
2: the Jets, Ben. But the Jets haven't had a quarterback. And if Aaron Rodgers is healthy, absolutely. And how is Aaron Rodgers a top five? I don't know. Aaron Rodgers had a broken thumb last year. He led the NFC with 24 touchdowns. Are you listening? Are you listening, Snug? I mean the numbers would show you that he wasn't 100%. He threw to to wide receivers that you never even heard of. Christian Watson wasn't even a name until week 12.
3: Yeah, he was hurt the first half of the season.
2: Dobbs, (laughs) give me a break. That guy's going to be gone off the Green Bay Packers in two weeks, three weeks into the season.
3: And again, you're also dealing with a... Garrett, you're upgrading in depth, too. It's not just one star. that like Aaron Rodgers had that with, with Jordy Nelson. The Jets have depth with their wide receivers, too. Even trading Elijah Moore, they still have Alan Lazard, who they brought over from Green Bay.
2: How about, how about Green Bay do this? At number 13, use your brain. Something that you didn't do for Aaron Rodgers when he was on the Green Bay Packers. Draft a wide receiver in I the first round.
3: It. Oh, I can't wait for that to happen. Twitter is going to blow up with
2: that. Draft a <laughs> wide receiver in the first round. Then you will see. Ladies and gentlemen, all you Packer fans, you will see the reason why they're drafting a big time wide receiver at number 13 is they don't trust. They don't trust their friend Jordan Love at the quarterback position that they need to add a top-end wide receiver to help him out. And I wouldn't trust him either, but
3: even so, it would also be very petty at Aaron Rodgers if they did that, which, knowing the way that Aaron Rodgers and the Packers have kind of jostled it out the last two off-seasons and caused all this drama to unfold, it would not
2: surprise me if Green Bay does that. It wouldn't even surprise me if Green Bay even trades up a little bit to get the best wide receiver if that's what they really want. The Knicks are up right now 36-26, to 11:31 left in the second quarter. So, Knicks fans, they look... Good right now. They're playing pretty good defense. They're shooting. Uh, hopefully, they can hold them off and uh, knock them off four games of one. Who would have thought that? No. Knock off the Cleveland Cavaliers with Donovan Mitchell, and I'm sure Donovan Mitchell's sitting, you know, home right, you know, after the games and probably wondering why he's not a New York Nick. Yeah. So uh, having flashbacks from
3: Game Four when he got absolutely roasted by that Knicks defense. Mm. Uh, John says, what, "What is your thought on the Knicks uh, this year? And assume they finish the series tonight. Do you think they'll get past the Heat because they seem like they got the box number?" I do, personally, because the, uh, the Heat offense is very streaky. And... First of all,
2: they don't have Tyler Hero for the, rest of the, yeah. for, for the rest of their series and this series against the Knicks if they play the Knicks. I don't think you see Tyler Hero into the championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's out for six to seven weeks, uh, and I, I don't think you see Tyler Hero throughout the playoffs this year because I don't think the Heat's going to make that far. The Knicks match up so very well, so very well with the Heat. They really do. Jimmy Butler, I mean, Jimmy Butler's a completely different player in the playoffs. You saw it. Over the weekend, 56 points. I mean, he dominated again. And, and don't say Giannis was on, wasn't on the court. He was. He was. He's not 100%, but he was on the court. He still played 38 minutes. That's... They're playing because they have nobody to fill in his spot. There's nobody good on that bench that can compete like Giannis can. Right. He is not the same player right now. He's playing at 76 80%, even though he's not making any excuses. Great players don't make excuses. Mm-hmm. And,
3: John, the other thing, too, is you look at somebody, you look at the Knicks, the way they're structured, the rebounding was supposed to be an issue for the Cav- against the Cavs in this series. Look at the way the guards have rebounded all series long with Barrett, with even somebody like Hart.
2: And, and by the way, Snug says uh, Burrow, Mahomes, Jackson, Hurts, and Allen before Rodgers. Um, Jalen Hurts did it one year. He did it one year. You're going to take Jalen Hurts... Over Aaron Rodgers that two years ago was a back-to-back MVP. What are you, nuts, Nug? I know you hate Aaron Rodgers, and you do. You hate Aaron Rodgers. For you to take Jalen Hurts, and I love Jalen Hurts, to take Jalen Hurts over Aaron Rodgers is a joke. It's a joke. This guy played with a broken thumb last year. Barely could grip a football. Still threw 24 touchdowns. To who? To who? Tell me. Robert Tunyon? Yeah, he was hurt half the season, too. Give me a break, guy. I, I mean, Robert Tunyon's going to be nobody. He'll retire in the next two years he's, if he's not gone. playing with the he's, Jets. No, he's already gone. I, he went to I, Chicago. I, I understand that. I'm saying that he will prob- he will probably retire in two years because he's not good.
3: Maybe, he'll, maybe the, uh, Aaron- I just said
2: Dobbs is going to be gone in three weeks because he's not good. Maybe, maybe the Jets will bring him in on a one-year deal and
3: literally only play the red zone down, downs because Robert Tunyon is a touchdown machine that doesn't do a lot of other things. So uh, maybe that's the thing.
2: Kirk was- Cousins is not better than Aaron Rodgers, nah. either is Jared Goff. Okay? I don't care what, what the numbers show last year of Aaron Rodgers. He wasn't healthy. He wasn't. And
3: look at the Vikings receiving court, too. They're really good. And also, uh, Jared Goff, if you look at his home road splits, they were not very good.
2: What was their record the year before? What was the Packers' record the year before? Did they not have the best record in all of the NFL? Yep. They were a number one seed in the NFC. That's right. And they lost against the 49ers in the second round because it was snowing. And everybody blamed Aaron Rodgers because he had one weapon in Adams. This is a different team. Yeah. This is a different team. And I, anybody thinks that Purdy, I, I agree with you, John. All the Purdy fans out there, I think Brock Purdy is a great quarterback, and they're willing to trade Trey Lance. Now, I don't know what Trey Lance is. I don't know what to expect from what this kid has shown me the last two years because he's barely played because he's injury-prone already. Mm-hmm. But you don't know what he is. And you're going to trust a guy that you drafted the final pick in the draft last year because he went all the way to the NFC title game because the team was that much better. The NFC sucked last year. It sucks this year. Uh, And also, too, uh, John,
3: uh, to relay on that, you're also judging a hot streak as well versus a larger sample of a rookie season. Brock Purdy, if he played a whole rookie season, we don't know how that would have been. Maybe he would have stepped in and done well. I don't know how well he would have known the playbook if he started the whole season. But, again... His injury combined with Trey Lance now getting this full-time. Because you got to remember, we talk about all this time with modern medicine. A lot of these major injuries get cured a little faster, too. Now, I'm not saying that Trey Lance is going to be an amazing quarterback. But it is something that, in
2: comparison to if this was a guy
3: seven years ago, you could trust a little more.
2: I'm saying this not as a Jet fan. Because I'm speaking the truth here. For anybody to think that Aaron Rodgers isn't a top-five quarterback right now in the NFL, shame on you. Shame on you. He has proven enough over the last four years that he is as good as any quarterback in the NFL. And he has a lot to prove this year. He wants to prove that he's still at a high level. And he's got the opportunity in Nathaniel Hackett's offense to do that. With the weapons he has and what the Jets are going to give him, the weapons that they're going to give him. With the defense that they have set up this year, which should be a top five, top ten defense in every sense of the word.
3: And if Nathaniel Hackett coaches as well as he did in Jacksonville and even coaches as well as he did in the first couple of years in Green Bay, then you're dealing with an arsenal of receivers that are much, much deeper than anything Aaron Rodgers ever had. Yes, Jordy Nelson was a great wide receiver, but the depth guys after that were just new guys every year. James Jones broke out for that two-year stretch. Greg Jennings broke out for that three-year stretch, whatever. Randall Cobb was a good, reliable slot guy. But again, that's not what the Jets have. The and, Jets... Nobody,
2: and nobody's attacking Keith. I'm not saying that Mahomes isn't the best quarterback in the NFL. Right. Right now, he won the MVP last year. So going into this season, he is the best quarterback in the NFL. But to say over the last four years that Mahomes has been the best quarterback in the NFL, it's a lie. It's a lie. Aaron Rodgers has won two MVPs in the last four years. That makes him the best quarterback in the NFL. And to sit here and say that he isn't and to take that away from him because last year he played a, play with a broken thumb on his throwing, throwing hand is ridiculous. And either way, if you want to even nitpick on which quarterback is
3: ranked where, Aaron Rodgers is still a significant upgrade over everything that the Jets had Let, last Let's year. not
2: even talk about the Jets. We're talking about quarterbacks, talent-wise. If the Jets put the right pieces around him, you don't think he can make every single throw? Mm-hmm. You don't think he's going to give the Jets at least 24 points a game? The Jets averaged last year. You know what the Jets averaged offensively last year? 15 points, between 14 and 15 points a game. Right. And they only had collectively 14 passing touchdowns. And here's the, and by the way, the last three games of the season, I think the Jets scored 10 points. Yeah. They didn't score a touchdown
3: at all in the last three
2: games. 10 points. You're going to honestly tell me right now. That if Aaron Rodgers is there and he's healthy and he's playing on that field, he's not going to give the Jets 24 points a game? He will. And if he gives the Jets 24 points a game, that defense will hold teams to 17 to 18 points. Which, guess what? If you look at those numbers, the Jets are going to win more than 10 games. Mm Uh, John has a question as well about Lamar Jackson.
3: Do you see Lamar going to a new team this year or maybe the following year to a team like the Titans if they keep Henry or possibly the Minnesota Vikings? I heard the Vikings too, which was kind of interesting because they are trying to ship off. He's not going
2: to the Vikings. He's not going anywhere. He will be a Baltimore Raven. I know everybody doesn't want to believe it. I know everybody's sour about what's going on to Lamar Jackson. I'm one of those guys. But, hey, Lamar, go find an agent. Go find somebody that can represent you. If you could do that, this this contract could be done. The wait is because you and your mother are not the answer to figure out how this contract is going to work. You want guaranteed money? You're going to get guaranteed money. Are you an elite quarterback? You're an elite quarterback. And the fact right now he doesn't have a contract, here's the reason why. He can't negotiate a deal right. That's the problem. And Baltimore brought in Odell Beckham. The reason why they brought in Odell Beckham is to satisfy Lamar Jackson. He will sign the contract. I promise you guys, after this draft, after everything gets situated, he will be a Baltimore Raven. He is going nowhere. He is going to be a Baltimore Raven. There's no way John Harbaugh going into this season will keep his job if he doesn't have Lamar Jackson as his quarterback. It was interesting, John, too, because you look at uh, what Lamar Jackson mentioned a few weeks
3: ago. He said he wanted the Ravens to trade for DeAndre Hopkins and Odell and Simon <coughs> O'Dell, which, again, I don't know if that's going to happen with the way the Ravens' salary cap is structured right now. They're now, I think, in John, negatives.
2: John, um, do you listen to the show? I don't, I don't know if you, you do, but, yeah, a couple of years ago I said that Lamar was an elite. But I also said over the last two years, what Lamar Jackson did three years ago and, and how he's played over the last couple of years and how Baltimore runs their offense through him, he has become an elite quarterback. And I have said this. I look at elite quarterbacks. Everybody says top five, five best quarterbacks is elite. I think seven. There are seven quarterbacks in the NFL that are elite. That are, to me, guys that you can put on any single team – and it's going to give you at least nine to 10 wins. Guarantee you nine to 10 wins. And Lamar Jackson's one of those guys. It also, John, is also
3: how they ended up treating him, too. So that's why I think the Ravens had to do the extra thing this season to get Odell. And now, again, he, like I said, he wanted, maybe wants DeAndre Hopkins. Will that be financially maintaining? I don't know. They might have to get the Cardinals to pay some of that salary if they're going to get that kind of thing to work. But if they do end up trading for him, I would agree with Errol. I think it's a done deal that he'll stay there. He
2: is staying with them. There's no reason why they brought Odell back him for $18 million for one year if they weren't going to bring back... Lamar Jackson. Now, I don't know what they're... They want to see if Odell Beckham could still play. If he could play, they'll probably extend him for another year or two. Uh, Maybe. Or maybe they go elsewhere. And I believe Baltimore will still draft a wide receiver in this year's draft. Maybe not in the first round, but I expect it in the second and third round. You expect them to add pieces to help Lamar Jackson out. They need to spread that offense. They cannot depend on Lamar Jackson. And if Lamar Jackson played against Cincinnati in the first round in the wild card game, they win! They win! FACT! Uh, Keith says
3: Jackson will definitely sign with the Ravens and again the other thing too is even if they they're not going to have to trade a lot for DeAndre Hopkins if they do go down that path anyway they'd have to give him a third and maybe a fifth or something third and a sixth like it's not going to be much and if they get Arizona taken on that's even better like we were seeing with like we were talking about with with all the deals at the NBA and NHL trade deadline if they can get that to work and draft a wide receiver then you're all all of a sudden making him a lot more happy because remember one of those guys does not have to take on a number one role if the rookie plays well or collectively they could just have three good Number twos, and they can make Odell work in that system, or they can make Lamar Jackson work in that system, with Mark Andrews still being the primary target there, because Mark Andrews is a top three tight end, and receiving wise, he's going to contribute a, a lot when he's healthy too. And then the running backs—they should be healthier than they are they were last year, but who knows about that?
2: Lamar Jackson—if he plays this year, they win ten games. Oh yeah, they win ten games. And as a matter of fact, I predict they win the division. If Lamar Jackson plays this year, Baltimore wins the division. The Bengals don't win the division. I know everybody keeps thinking that the Bengals are so great. And, yes, they've proven that they could play in the playoffs. Joe Burrow is a fantastic playoff player. I I mean, look, every time he plays, this was the first time, the first time I think he's lost against Mahomes in his whole career in the playoffs. You've seen what he can do against top-end quarterbacks. He's beaten Josh Allen. He's beaten everybody. Aaron Rodgers, he's beaten everybody. Joe Burrow. Yes, and three and one uh, collectively against the
3: Chiefs, and again he's performed well in really all those games too. And you look, he had that bad first half the first year with the AFC Championship game because they were down, they were down twenty-one to three. He didn't play well, but then he had a
2: great, great turnaround. I think when it comes to talent, and now you add Odell Beckham and you add other weapons, you're probably going to add more weapons this offseason offensively when they finally uh, restructure this contract for Lamar Jackson. It makes him happy. They're going to have – they had a very good draft last year, too. They always have good drafts. Last year's draft, they were in the, amongst the, the league's top five.
3: Right, and it's just a matter of prioritizing key positions for the Ravens because that's where they haven't been able to keep Lamar Jackson but, happy and then the pass rushers, too. And, and I'm not
2: saying line. Joe Burrow isn't better than Lamar Jackson when it comes to the playoffs. Throughout the regular season, I mean, who's, who's been better than Lamar Jackson in the last five years? Honestly. Who has more wins and less losses than Lamar Jackson in the last five years? It's only Mahomes. Mahomes is the only one. He's the only one. That shows you how Lamar Jackson, really, how they run their offense through him. He is their offense. And how good Lamar Jackson really is. I don't know how how long it's going to take him to get hurt and then his health starts to disintegrate. I don't know. Lamar's, what, 27 years old? He still has a good three, four years when you go, before you're going to see, you know, his body start to wear down. At least a little bit. Right. But
3: you also have seen quarterbacks in the past still get paid off of injury-riddled seasons, too. Look at when the Raiders signed Derek Carr in 2017, he came off that gruesome injury at the end of the season. The Cowboys still signed Dak Prescott after the, the ankle injury in 2020. Like, Lamar Jackson should not be having
2: to wait forever to do all this. I, I'm going to say something, because I like Herbert. I think he's a great quarterback. Herbert is not an elite quarterback. As a matter of fact, I know he's young. He can't win the big game. Look what he did against Trevor Lawrence last year. I have to see him do it before I consider him elite. Now, he is amongst the top seven, top eight quarterbacks in the league. He is. But to say he's elite, he hasn't won anything. So, how could you say he's elite? And you're going to say, well, Lamar Jackson hasn't won anything. Lamar Jackson, year in and year out, wins that division. When he's healthy, they win that division. That's a good division. you got to play Pittsburgh. you got to play the Browns. you got to play the Bengals. Twice, every single year. And Lamar Jackson has kept that team on the top of that division, year in and year out, since he was drafted.
3: 2018 through 2020, they were, they were division champions. The Steelers won it that one year. They started undefeated.
2: It's unbelievable what Lamar Jackson and is. The I never the thought. Too, so. I never thought Lamar Jackson was going to be this good. As a matter of fact, I used to make jokes about it. Yeah. I did. I never thought Lamar Jackson was going to be this good. But he deserves all the credit. And the fact that Deshaun Watson, and I think Deshaun Watson, before he, before he got hurt and then he was out for two years because of the whole massage thing. Hmm. I thought Deshaun Watson was the best quarterback in the league when he should have won the MVP. He played, he had 30 touchdowns, what, eight interceptions? He was throwing to nobody, nobody, no elite wide receivers. He didn't have an elite running back. His offensive line stunk, stunk. his defense stunk. I'm just speaking the truth. He got that money, really, because the Browns were practically you know, fetching.
3: It took a major gamble giving him that much money and that many draft picks. They were <laughs> hungry for bones. Because, because like, like we were saying with the Jets, like they've been so starved for a quarterback for a long time. They had to take that kind of chance. And that's the difference, going back to your comment. Yes,
2: I think top seven is elite, Keith.
3: Yes. And going back to what, what Michael was saying earlier in the comment section, that's why the, pa- the pa- Packers did not fleece the Jets. Look, compare the Deshaun Watson trade to this trade, <laughs> judge accordingly.
2: You want, you want to know who my, my top seven quarterbacks in the NFL is right now? Because I can give it to you. It's pretty easy. Mahomes number one. You want to argue Burrow or Rogers number two or number three? That's fine. Number four, Josh Allen. Number five. This is where it gets interesting. Um, let me see, because I, because I, 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 I could go both two different ways with this. Uh, I'm going to bring up the teams because I could tell you right off by looking at the teams. Uh,
3: but while you look for that, uh, John says, how many times Lamar choke in playoffs? How many times Rodgers choke in playoffs? Well, John, to answer that question, there's a larger sample size for Rodgers. So you have to judge accordingly. I think there's really only two legitimate playoff games that are, he struggled in. Lamar Jackson was probably half of his playoff Football games. Football is a
2: team game, buddy. So I yeah. mean, go look at Tom Brady and what Tom Brady has done in games. Everybody says, oh, Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. Look at Tom Brady. Look at his numbers in certain games in the playoffs. They are some of the games he was horrible.
3: And, John, John, also the judging percentages, too. Like, I, I had this argument with one, one of the guys I went to high school with, too, who compared Peyton Manning's playoff losses and Aaron Rodgers. Like, Peyton Manning's, I think, more of his were his fault than Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, I think, only really two legitimately playoff games he struggled in. And one of them they almost still won anyway the second time they played against Arizona. So, Lamar Jackson, I would say, in his five playoff games he's played in because he didn't play this year, he he struggled in probably half of them. And then the, even the one he won, he didn't play
2: great. But again, it's also not all his fault either. All right, so at number five, um, and I, I still think Russell Wilson's a good quarterback. I, I know he had a bad year. I will put Russell Wilson at five. I put Lamar Jackson at six, and I, I'm trying. You know, I'm, I'm trying to make sense from this. Is um,
3: so it Jalen Hurts maybe in there? So. I would put Jalen Hurts Okay. okay. Yeah,
2: but I, I argue that because Jalen Hurts has to do it back to back years. So fair I, enough. I, I don't. I don't know if I put Jalen Hurts there. I you can argue Jalen Hurts, Matthew Stafford, because Matthew Stafford, when healthy, he's he's a league quarterback. He is. John
3: says, Mahomes, um, Herbert, Burrow, Allen Rogers, Hurts, Lamar Goff. Is my top eight? Nah, Jared no Jared Goff's not top eight. John. He's t- no. look at his home run splits. That'll explain a lot. Especially again. I
2: don't and, and I don't put. I'm not putting right now. Uh, Herbert, because Herbert has not proven that he is elite. He His numbers are fantastic. They are. But when he gets into the playoffs, in, in certain games, he disappears. I'm just saying. You want to put Herbert? Okay, Herbert's up there. I would put Herbert on the outskirts. Looking in. I would say he's eight. He's edge of the top ten. If you want to rearrange everything
3: else, with depending on how you judge Hurts, accordingly, yes, he did a year and a half. How could you say Wilson
2: isn't number? He isn't top five, top five, top six. I will say this: Russell Wilson had a bad year last year under Nathaniel Hackett. He also learned a new offense. Russell Wilson has been over the last five years been a part in the top four vote voting when it comes to MVPs. He should have won an MVP a couple of years yeah, ago. if it wasn't for Lamar Jackson, he would have. That was. I thought he should have won that. I Wilson me- is not I, trash. I, I as a that. matter <laughs> of fact, as a matter of fact, I will make a bet with everybody here. I will make a bet this year. Russell Wilson will close. He will throw close to four thousand yards this year. He will throw over twenty-five touchdowns, and he will throw less interceptions than he did last year. A lot less. I'm going to say. 12. Yeah. He will still be up there under Peyton, okay? Because Peyton will put him in the right position to to not fail. He'll put him in, in the right position to succeed. So to say that Russell Wilson isn't, it's, it's ridiculous.
3: Yeah. And Sean Payton, when he was coaching the Saints, I think he had Drew Brees in, in like. Eight of those seasons, he threw less than 10 interceptions. Now, I'm not oh. saying Russell Wilson's Drew Brees, but like you could expect him to,
2: to do that number down. Uh, so you say that uh, the Broncos can't make the playoffs. I, I'm going to tell you this. The Chargers aren't making the playoffs this year. Uh-huh. The Chargers aren't making the playoffs this year. They lost a lot of pieces this, this offseason, offensively. Okay? They've lost weapons this offseason. And... We have seen the Chargers and their coach, who is absolutely horrendous, and the fact that he was brought back this year for another year, which is a joke, will only show you why he will be fired after this year. I absolutely believe, I don't think, I don't think Las Vegas is going to be any good, because I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to stay healthy, and Adams don't want to be there. So let's, let's just say that. I think they trade Renfro at the draft this year. I think Renfro will be gone. He doesn't fit. In McDaniels' offense, he will be gone. The funny thing is he does, but yet Josh McDaniels doesn't want to use him right. I'm telling you right now, if, if I think the Broncos are the second best team in their division this year. Second best. Yes, Snug. The Chargers are the least clutch team in football. And
3: like Errol was saying, they have a lot of guys coming back from injuries, too, on the offensive line. I, I, I think, listen, they have
2: a great offensive lineman in, in Slater, right? I, I think Rashawn it's, Slater. Rashawn Slater, yeah. who's a really good player. He missed the whole season last year in the beginning of the season. He's a fantastic talent. Then again... You look at that offense there. Allen's not coming back, I think, this year. Yeah, you cut him. Um, I, they, they've lost a lot of weapons. And
3: they're probably going to Eckler. Eckler so.
2: Eckler's gone. They're not going to be the same team. So, no. I don't think the Chargers make the playoffs next year.
3: You also have a couple defensive players, too. They lost three defensive tackles at certain points this year. Two of them were for the season at the time. JC Jackson was hurt most of the year, too. Derwin James is injury prone. There's a lot to
1: not be what am I smoking? Uh, on see, that Keith, defense.
2: Keith says, what am I smoking? I'm not smoking much. Go look at the weapons that they lost this offseason. Go look at what the Chargers lost on the team as a whole this offseason. They're not as good as they were going into the season last year when everybody thought they were going to win 11 or 12 games. Yeah, now they have drafted well. So if they can replenish those pieces well. Eckler's one of the best and one of the most underrated running backs in the league. Okay? Last year, year I think he had 10 touchdowns. The year before, he had the most in a league.
3: Yeah, he had 10 touchdowns. That was only just rushing. He also had like seven or eight receiving touchdowns too. And he's been consistently the best receiving back the last three years. And after the Christian McCaffrey had the 1,000-yard season, the next three years after that, he's been the best. And uh, yes, they still have some talent in other areas too. But that talent has also been injury-prone too. Look at somebody like Mike Williams, a great talent,
2: that always is hurt too. And he's inconsistent. Keith, what are you talking about? What, what, what am I smoking? What, you're not talking about the Chargers, so who? I think he's talking about Russell Wilson. I'm still going back Why? to that. <laughs> Why? Go bring up Russell Wilson's numbers. Bring it up, Speedy. Give me Russell Wilson's numbers before last year. Let's take it away. His first year under a new offense, who, by the way, Hackett, and thing Hackett, was fired. Now he's the Jets' offensive coordinator, and he needs a quarterback that knows how to run his offense because it's a very hard offense to understand. All right, so the 2019 season that you
3: thought he should have won MVP, mm-hmm. 4,110 passing yards, a 66.1% completion percentage, 31 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. Okay. Best in the league? Go ahead. 2020. Now, he had the big first half and then not as good of a Just give us half. the numbers. 40 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, 42 12 yards, 68.8%. And then it's 20, ridiculous. And then, Go ahead. Next one. And then 2021, 64.8% completion percentage, 3,113 yards. Granted, he only played 14 he games. He only played
2: 14 games, yeah.
3: 25 touchdowns, 6 interceptions.
2: And you say last year counts. Last year, Keith, understand this. I'm trying to explain something to you. He played under an offense. By the way, the offensive line stunk. They were the worst in the league last year. They were rated the worst offensive line in football last year. That's one. Number two, he was playing under a new offense. A new offense. It takes a while. He's playing under a new offense. But Peyton... He understands how to get quarterbacks to play the way he wants them to play, how he wants to run his offense, and it's a predominant running first, throw second uh, offense. He loves to run the running backs and use the running backs as catching receivers and screen passes. That's what he likes. Payton likes that. And I'm telling you right now, Russell Wilson is going to have a fantastic season this year. Mark my words. You think I'm I'm on drugs and you don't think he's elite? I am telling you. Russell Wilson's only he's only 34, 33 years old.
4: Right.
2: He can still play. He still has a great arm. Mm. And he still can move inside and out of the pocket. To think that he's not elite, it's ridiculous. And you also look at, like we were saying with Aaron Rodgers,
3: too, like the depth of the weapons that they could have. Yes, he still had Metcalf and Lockett towards the end of his career with the Seahawks. But think about the weapons he had before that, too. It was Doug Baldwin. It was a draft to free agent. Ricardo Lockett, Jermaine Curse. He survived all those years and still had a great year. 2015. I'm going to go to this. What 20- was
2: Russell Wilson's numbers last year?
3: Uh, he had 35-24 passing yards, 16 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, and a 60.5% completion percentage.
2: Okay, and that's his worst season. Mm-hmm. And he still threw almost 3,700 yards. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to this 2015 season, though, because
3: that was a year he didn't play with as many weapons. He had, they, I think they just traded for Jimmy Graham, but even he got hurt that year. He had 34 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, 4,024 yards, 68.1% completion
2: percentage. And yes. a year.
3: also that Marshawn Lynch yes. only played 5 games. I, I, I
2: cannot take Russell Wilson out of the top 5 because he had one bad season last year under an offense that he had, under, he had no understanding how to run. Yeah, I'm taking Wilson in the top 5. 100%. You might not, and if you think I'm on drugs, at the end of this season, uh, Keith, you tell me if he's not a top five. A, a wide, I'm sorry, quarterback in the NFL, because I believe he is. Keith, the reason I brought up 2015 is he played with a very
3: bad group of weapons that year. Jimmy Graham played a little bit of the season. He was hurt about half of it. Marshawn Lynch was out for half the more than half the season that year. He was playing with Doug Baldwin, who did was a pretty good undrafted free agent receiver. I'm not saying he's bad, but he's a number two receiver on a lot of other teams. And Jermaine Kearse, Ricardo Lockett, these other random receivers, are you really going to say those guys were legitimate weapons? It's like what... The Packers are playing. It might even be worse than what the Packers are playing. With I'll
2: tell you deal. what, Keith. If you don't think... If you don't think Russell Wilson is going to have one of those seasons this year... If he doesn't... If he doesn't... I will take you out to a dinner wherever you want to go. Okay? That's my bet with you. Keith, you want to you take that bet? But if I win, you have to take me where I want to go. Dinner wherever I want to go. And that might be a nice steak dinner. Because I absolutely believe... Russell Wilson will have a fantastic season this year under Peyton. Now, Keith, I mentioned I only mentioned that because of the depth of the targets.
3: The point I was trying to get at was where the Broncos when the Broncos receivers are healthy. Now, granted, they've been hurt a lot. I'm not saying that, that doesn't worry me. Cortland Sutton still had a great year last year playing when everyone else was hurt. Judy's been hurt at certain points. Tim Patrick was out the entire season last year, who was pretty good as a slot receiver. Javante Williams was hurt last year in the second game of the season. So if those guys are still healthy combined with somebody like Sean Payton, who has done well with offensive skill player
2: combinations that haven't been as good, then he could still have a top quarterback year. John says, I want a 48-ounce steak and um, and around the world at Spa World. I don't know what that is. That'll be the deal. It'll okay. the in Arizona
0: too. I don't I, know.
2: You can take me. I, if I win. Now this has nothing to do with the Russell Wilson. What was our bet? With that was if the Jets won uh, more ten than or more 10 games. games. Ten or more games. Ten or more games. Yeah. So if the Jets win ten or more games, you're going to fly me to Arizona. If the Jets don't, I will get you a forty-eight ounce steak dinner, on me, and whatever the world spa thing. I'll take you there. Whatever. I'll take you there. I, that seems like a fair deal. What do you don't think, John? They're going to, be, you're going to be eating well if that's the case. I don't know if <laughs> somehow he's going you to be able to eat that himself. If somehow you
3: get lucky and the
2: Jets have the worst injury luck and win less than 10 games. I have no idea why he thinks that. That's crazy. Again, it would take the worst injury luck possible for that. Automatically, kind of <laughs> they win an extra three games from last year. Automatically. Right. With their schedule, the the way it's set up this year. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, there's not many players that have kind of <laughs> that kind of ridiculous. positional value. They beat the Buffalo Bills with Zach Wilson last year. Right. They beat the, and they almost beat the Buffalo Bills a second time with a fourth string quarterback in white.
3: And again, think about all the games like you were mentioning at the end of the season that they didn't they didn't score the touchdowns in. too. they they beat the Lions if Aaron Rodgers is quarterback. That's
2: crazy. I, I don't know how anybody believes that the Jets are not going to do that. Yeah, it's crazy. They definitely beat the Patriots.
3: They they beat the Lions because that game was sloppy. Maybe they don't beat the Vikings. That was a shootout. Yeah. Maybe they don't beat the Vikings. Maybe they don't beat Seattle because it's in Seattle. They got blown out anyway. But who the Jets? The Jets. But even so, like that's still three. They're still they three play wins. Seattle this year. They'll beat Seattle. No, no, no. I'm saying last year because oh. Seattle blew them out. Look at, I'm just saying, look at the games that they didn't score touchdowns in last year. The Patriots twice. Go look at the games.
2: Go look who the Jets are playing this year. Don't bring it in.
3: It's, bring it in. It's the AFC
2: West. We're going right back to the Jets. I yes. didn't want to.
3: Yes, it's the AFC
2: West. Okay, it's, which, go ahead, name the teams. They're Chargers, Chiefs, Broncos, Raiders. They beat the Chargers. They beat the Raiders. They could beat the Broncos. Yeah. Okay. All right. So Ames- and they might surprise the world and beat Kansas City because they're going to be in New York. I'm not saying they're going to win all four of them. They're capable of winning all of them. Go yeah. ahead. Texans, who they'll beat easily. Yes. The Browns, that we'll see on that. That, go, that the- could be. The Browns lost this year, so they're going to try to. Uh, Come back and try to knock them off with Deshaun Watson. Go ahead. Right. So then it's the NFC East: Commanders, Cowboys, Eagles, Giants. Mm-hmm. They'll beat the Commanders. They could beat the Giants. They could beat uh, the Cowboys, which they, for some reason, every single four years, they kick their rear ends. And uh, the Eagles, they they haven't beaten. So I'll, I'll take they'll lose against the Eagles. Go ahead. And then it's the Falcons, the other and they'll one. beat the Falcons. So and then it's their own division time. Uh, twice, and they should win. Th- I said they'll win four out of the six games over there. Right. I, I think they could beat the Patriots twice. I don't know. I don't trust the Patriots. That go, that, I know everybody says, well, the Patriots have beaten them. The Jets haven't beaten them forever. <laughs> it's going to change this year. All right,
3: John, I have a question for you. How do you figure that they have the same receivers they had in Green Bay? That doesn't make any sense at all. How, Garrett- hold, hold, hold on. What? Garrett Wilson is a significant
2: upgrade over Christian Watson. Significant. I mean, Garrett Wilson had nobody throw him the ball last year. He won rookie of the year, okay? Rookie of the year. He had over 1,000 yards. He had, what, five touchdowns, six touchdowns? You just add five more touchdowns for Garrett Wilson this year. Five. That's 10 touchdowns and probably 1,4, 1,500 yards for Garrett Wilson in his second year. Okay? Hardman is one of the fastest guys in the NFL. Right. He is one, of, you can use him all over the field. Lazard is, is, you see what the numbers, even last year, Lazard was on and off the field. Lazard still had 800 yards. He could be the third or fourth option on the Jets, and he's still going to have seven, 800 yards. They have Conklin, who's going to be fantastic with Aaron Rodgers. They have weapons all: Brees Hall, who can catch the ball and run the ball. Carter, he can catch the ball and run the ball. Right.
3: And again, judging the depth of the differences too, John. You're, they had the they had the Romeo Dobbs. And by the way, Jeff, them. we have
2: not sp- spoke about the Jets this whole time. It's been all over the place. We went with Lamar Jackson. We were talking about elite quarterbacks. It's not been about the Jets, they, John. Just
3: think of it this way in terms of wide receiver one, wide receiver two, wide receiver three. Play it like that, even if they're not technically the second or third target. Garrett Wilson is a significant upgrade over Christian Watson, so that solidifies that. Then you're dealing with somebody with, let's say let's say Lazard cancels because he was on both teams. Denzel Mims is an upgrade over Romeo Dobbs. Romeo Dobbs had like two good games last season. Denzel Mims is much more skilled. Then you bring somebody like McCall Harmon, like Errol was saying, very versatile, with a lot of speed. The Packers don't have a player like that. They were dealing with a lot of older guys. Tight ends wise, Tunyon's a a good touchdown guy, but Tyler Conklin's a better blocker, more a little more well rounded. CJ Osama didn't have didn't, didn't have those Bengal success. All right, we have good. nothing.
2: We understand, Speedy. You don't have to mention the players. Uh, they're not the same team they 're not anywhere close, and the Jets offensive line this year is much better than the Green Bay Packers offensive line is going was last year and was probably going to be this year so and their defense are, you can go back and forth who has the better defense because uh, the Green Bay Packers were expected to be one of the elite. Uh, offensive, you know, um, defenses in the league last year. They had Alexander Hurt. They were All season long, they had injuries throughout that um, defensive line. So they had problems. But I think this year, if they stay healthy, they're going to have an elite defense. So uh, anyways, uh, let's get into hoops. Uh, obviously, uh, with the NBA in the playoffs, I know everybody's sitting here and they're like, wow, there are a lot of surprises. A lot of surprises in the Eastern Conference. Except... I would say Philadelphia because everybody expected them to sweep the Nets. I nobody thought the Nets were going to win a game. I I would I would have been surprised they won one game. But I mean the Bucks series has been unbelievable. And Jimmy Butler I I have been so amazed with Jimmy Butler. It's it's unbelievable. Do you know he's averaging 60 I'm sorry, 36.5 points a game? I mean, how many players in NBA history in a series average 35 or more points a game in a series? I will tell you maybe two handfuls. That's it. Jimmy Butler is a different player in the playoffs. Different. He defends multiple positions. You could put him on your two, your one, your three. You could even put him on your four, which I've seen them do. He is a special player. And what they've done, and and really the best player for in this series for the Bucs, which is surprising, it's not Giannis. It's been Chris Middleton. And I will tell you this ever since two years ago, for some reason, the Miami Heat know how to defend Giannis. They're the best at defending Giannis. They put him out on the perimeter, they make him beat them on the perimeter, and he's not a great perimeter shooter. They double-team him. They make sure that he cannot get into the paint. He has problems getting into the paint. Ben says uh, Boone needs to keep Giannis on Jimmy Butler. Yeah, maybe
3: that was a matchup <sighs> switch, but again, Giannis is also not playing 100% either. So
2: I, I don't know if i do that, too, because you don't want to wear out Giannis, even though uh, right now you, you need to do something, because if you lose another game, you're out of this series. But I, I, they're in a lot of trouble, Milwaukee. And I I thought Milwaukee was the most dangerous team going into the playoffs because of Giannis. But I believe Giannis isn't 100% healthy. I I would say he's maybe 70% healthy right now in the playoffs. And you could see it. He's a little bit slower going up and down the court. And he's not the same player. He's not the same explosive player against Miami. Maybe because of its defense. Maybe it's just because he's not 100%. And again, the the defense too, as a collectively as a team, has
3: really struggled too. Miami's not supposed to be this offensive powerhouse by any means, and they're letting the Milwaukee they're out playing Milwaukee in like three out of the four games in the second half all the time too. Giannis played in game one; he played in full in game one, and Miami was still up by thirteen most of that game and was dominating the entire second half. they these guys that are. Second-round picks, undrafted guys that Pat Riley is fine. Give him credit. But still, these guys aren't supposed to be beating you guys like Max again. And who would have thought
2: they were going to dominate in this series the way they have when they lost Tyler Hero in the first game yeah, of the series? Right. Breaking his, I think, uh, breaking his hand or something? Mm-hmm. And his shooting hand, too.
3: And again, it's not, again if Miami makes a miracle award of the NBA Finals, that's the only shot. He's going to come back. No, he's not
2: coming back. Broken I, that, hand, I, I mean, it's not even a fracture. It was a broken hand. He had surgery on it. Uh, that's eight weeks, maybe nine weeks. I wouldn't I wouldn't risk his career. You just gave him a big contract in the offseason. Uh, John, we, we weren't saying that for the entire playoffs.
3: We were saying it for a round of the playoffs. Jimmy Butler, again, 35 in that round, is. it's very hard to do. And, again, all the guys you're listing here are Hall of Famers. So we're comparing Jimmy Butler to a lot of Hall of Famers that you're listing here, John.
2: Well, you mentioned two handfuls right here. Jordan, LeBron, Jerry West, Kobe, Durant, Shaq, Kareem, Harden, Chamberlain, Curry, that's almost so it's 11. Yeah, that, that's two handfuls. <laughs> it's two handfuls on a thumb. That's what I just said. Yeah. I just said that. I, I, but again, we're talking about this series. And we're talking about this round. But you're right. It, it, it's not, it, it doesn't happen a lot. And what Butler is doing, and, and how special he's been throughout the playoffs over the last couple of years, he's worth every dime. Every dime Miami has paid him.
3: Keith says Miami is one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the
2: regular no season. No question. They're the best three-point shooting team in the postseason. They've been fantastic. Yeah. And they lost one of their best three-point shooters. Right. And Tyler Hero. That just explains or shows you how much depth they have around the
3: perimeter. Which we saw that depth last year when they were the number one seed in the East. But, again, that depth was very inconsistent this year. Why the, that's why the Heat were a bottom five offensive team, points per game. The Cavaliers
2: and the Knicks. I am, I've been so surprised with this series. So. I mean shocked. Now, I, I thought the Knicks were going to win this series. You, did. you didn't. No, I did not. But I thought the Knicks were going to win this series. I thought they were going to win in six. And I still think they, they're they probably going to win in six. But right now, they're going into the second half to have a 10-point lead. The Cavaliers just look dead. And, they, and, and we have said this. Robertson is going to play a big part in this series. And boy, oh boy, has he ever. I mean, he is one of the... He is the best offensive rebounder in the league. And in certain... Parts of this series that you've seen is him dominate the boards against their two best big men. Allen is a great rebounder. Mobley is a great rebounder. He's out reband- rebounding both of them. The guards are out rebounding
3: Mobley. That's, uh, that should say something about the way the Knicks have rebounded. And I'll, I'll tell you this.
2: Brunson has not had a good series. He's had an okay series. Yep. He hasn't, he hasn't been elite like he's been all season long. And I say he's elite because he averaged 24 points a game. How many point guards in a league averaged 24 points a game? And shooting the way he did percentage-wise. I mean, Jalen Brunson has become one of the top five, top six point guards in the NBA. With a blink of an eye, the best offseason uh, signing
3: at, throughout the NBA. The big difference is why the Knicks were able to t- really dominate those two games, too. Even though the Game uh, game 4 looks closer on paper, the Knicks really dominated the entire pace of the game.
2: Here's the answer right now. They're keeping Donovan Mitchell in this series to 19 points. Mm-hmm. That's the answer. The reason why they're winning in this series is they're, they're keeping Donovan Mitchell to 20 points. And when you can keep Donovan Mitchell, who career-wise averages almost 24 to 25 points a game in the playoffs... You're you're putting yourself in a great position to win. Right, and again,
3: Tom Thibodeau is not giving him the same look of who's guarding him either. They've switched him with Barrett. They've switched him with Josh Hart. They've switched him with Jalen Brunson. And each combination has worked to be able to limit him. And Donovan Mitchell, sometimes we've seen this in the last couple of years with the Jazz in the playoffs. When he starts to become too much of a three-point shooter, he's not that same level of a player, too. He's better as a complete point guard, and they're trying to make him just a shooter, and that doesn't work for the same level for the team offense. And the Cavs' team offense has been
2: miserable because of that, too. I think people miss... miss and underrate how good that trade was for Josh Hart at yeah. the trade deadline. Right. He has been so important to this te- this team defensively and as a team leader on the perimeter. He's played with the second hand, the second team, semi- the second team, and and I, I give a lot of credit to Tom Thibodeau. By the way, he is actually playing ten players yeah. in this series, which is something that he never does. He plays seven or eight guys. He has been different, and he's sitting players, not using, overusing players. He's been fantastic.
3: Yeah, and again, you also look at the depth that the be- Knicks have had off the bench, too. They're outscoring the Cavs' bench by over 40 points in this series so far. Like, well, that, we
2: know how elite the Knicks' uh, bench is. No, no, been no, no. all I mean, season I, long.
3: I get that, but the, cl- this Cleveland bench is not supposed to be this bad either. Like, they're not a great... Uh, they're not amazing, but they're they were still above average. They're young. Still, the Knicks are just out-roasting them with that second unit. So look at the second quarter of, of Game 4. Like, Obi Toppin was playing well in that game. You look, Quigley's playing well Qu- right Quigley's now. Quigley started to pick it yes. up now after struggling the first two games. And Miles McBride, even was looking pretty good defensively too when he came in. Give, I'll give Josh credit. He mentioned that on his show. Like they have to put McBride in there to, for defense. The Cavs were not being able to score in that first quarter because of that. It's been quarter.
2: unbelievable how the Knicks have been defending this team. And and yes, there there are games when Garland has exploded. In game number two, he was exploding, and he had that three point like just six for. I think he was six for eight at the three point line. He was dominant. Right in the first and, quarter, third quarter, game four too. I, I I think that Garland is the is the real you know, secret to this team if they want to win this series and come back in this series. It, it's, it cannot depend on Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell needs, uh, to me, a Robin. He has been Batman and he hasn't been Batman in a series because averaging 19.8 points a game doesn't show, it doesn't prove that he's Superman or Batman. And that's the difference right now. It's Donovan Mitchell. Again, it is Donovan Mitchell.
3: Like you were saying with Garland, too, Like the Cavs' really only consistently hot offensive stretches have come with him playing well, too. Game two where, like you said, the three-point barrage, and then the beginning of the second half of game four, when the Cavs had that, I think, 16-2 run to open the second half, Garland pretty much either scored or assisted on all those points, too. But when he's off, the whole team offense is off, and it just doesn't work for that. That's why the Cavs have scored less than 100 points the last two games. It's,
2: it's great, because every time you see Donovan Mitchell on the court, you see that Hart is defending him. And I think adding Hart at the trade deadline was so important. It was so in peril for where they're going and and the way they play. So I, I, again, th- this series is long from o- long than over yet. And I I still think the Knicks could go into this uh, second second half and lose this game, and then you can give. Cleveland confidence to go back to Madison Square Garden and take this back to a Game Seven. The Knicks, if they want to end it, they end it now. They're playing a good basketball game right now. They could, they got to continue continue doing what they're doing right now and end them tonight. Don't let it go to a Game Six where you're giving them more confidence that they can come back in this series.
3: Uh, Keith, Keith says Garland has been mediocre at best. Yeah, he's probably right. Uh, the series is over. They have been a much better rebounding The series. Is
2: not over. I do not believe this series is over because they're a good three-point shooting te- team. And if they get hot, and Donovan Mitchell hasn't been shooting the ball well tonight either. And you see Obi Toppin running up and, down the fo- uh, up and down the floor. What a pass that was. But, uh, again, you see the difference of what this Nick team is when they play like a team. Yeah. And, and they have not done that for years. This is a different Nick team. And they have a lot of depth. And they have a lot of youngsters that they're going to be able to resign. They could bring in a superstar in the offseason. The Knicks are not done. This this could be a good Eastern Conference team for the next three or four years, especially the way Jalen Brunson has played. So uh, the Knicks have been unbelievable uh, in this series. No question that they have. Um, The Celtics and Hawks. I I mean, last night, the Hawks coming back and winning that game. I mean, the Celtics do not want to go to a Game 7 against the Hawks. And the Celtics have had problems playing in Atlanta. If they go to a Game 7, the pressure is on the Celtics. There is no pressure on the Hawks at all. They fired their coach this year. This team was, you know, up and down, up and down, up and down. Finally, they're getting production at their guard position. Trey uh, Turner's played well. They've been, all around, this, this, game, this team has been different, really, the last two weeks of the season. Yeah. You want to talk about up and down, up and down. The Hawks literally had a stretch from like
3: uh, mid-January to early March where they alternated wins and losses every game, and <laughs> that just pretty much kept them afloat as the eight or nine seed in the Eastern Conference every time. But yeah, they're getting some defense too, which Quinn Snyder—that's what they bring him in for. And the Celtics have not been shooting the ball well in particular games too. One game there was Brown was off, another game Tatum was off. He was struggling yesterday a lot at the end of the game too. And Tatum again, in the fourth quarter we saw in the NBA Finals too. Sometimes has not been clutch either in recent playoffs. Serious. What is Ben
2: saying over here? Anthony Edwards was just cited for assault or Wow, or, really? Ben? Uh, yeah, here it is. Anthony Edwards was just cited for assault. He
3: threw a chair that hit two arena employees after a game five loss. He faces an eighteen month sentence. He's not going eighteen months. He's not guilty. I'll get out of here.
2: He'll pay those guys off. It's ridiculous. Everybody's trying to make a buck off these guys.
3: (laughs) Well, between the Timberwolves and the Grizzlies, you might have to just get some maturity
2: (laughs) with those teams. (laughs) It's not going, he's not going to jail for assault. Come on, guys. Stop. Stop. It's all about money. He will pay them off. He's definitely not, he'll get, he won't even get a misdemeanor. He'll get a slap on the wrist. I mean, You learn something from Rudy Gobert and Bob Knight Uh, combined. Oh, man. But uh, the Hawks, if they win, if they win game six, watch out. The Celtics, there's no short thing with the Celtics. There's not. And by the way, as much as everybody keeps talking about Brogdon and what he's done this year is the sixth man of the year. <laughs> and all the te- all the players that they have coming back going a lot. What are these, What does he call himself? Lobster? Wi- w- Robert Williams. Robert Williams. <laughs> I, lob- I called him Lobster Williams. because <laughs> It's fitting for Boston. <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, whatever. His, Robert Williams, he, he hasn't played as well as, as Jeff thought he was going to play in this series. J- we know what Jason Tatum is. We know what Jalen Brown is. These guys are stars. Superstars. But if you're going to depend on that and you're not getting enough off the bench, you're not winning. And the Hawks, if they win, I'm telling you, they win game six, anything can happen in game seven with, oh. this, with the Celtics. And right? they get to play the Sixers again, if they win, they'll, they'll
3: get a chance to upset them again like they did two years
2: ago. <laughs> mm. It's definitely interesting. The Western Conference, we, we expected the Nuggets to play the Suns. After uh, Kawhi Leonard getting hurt and Paul George didn't play in this series, they had no chance. And, and, and that's what I don't understand. You pay these guys so much money. Paul George missed the whole series. Oh, yeah. That's a huge loss. You got to go into a, another offseason. You have two great players. And by the way, you brought, brought in Russell Westbrook. You thought he was going to add more offense. He has been an absolute cancer. I don't care what his his numbers showed uh ever since he's gone uh from from the uh Lakers to the LA Clippers this shows he
3: can't be a number 1 option anymore.
2: He's not he's a bench guy. He should be honestly, he should have been brought off the bench giving you those points. They weren't getting enough off the bench.
3: Yeah, that's a problem with the way they're built if those guys can't do it, because Kawhi Leonard has been out in and out with all these weird injuries since he's gotten to the Clippers, even though his last year with the Spurs. That was the reason they had to trade him, because they didn't know what everything was going on with him, and Paul George, just unfortunate timing for him, because it happened right at the end of the season.
2: De'Aaron Fox and the uh, Kings uh, and the Golden State Warriors, they were up 2-0. And Golden State has climbed back into this. And that has a lot to do with De'Aaron Fox uh, hurting his finger. I don't know if he plays in game number five. He's got to play, allegedly. But how well will he play? I mean, it's just shooting hand. Yeah. I, I, that's a huge, huge, huge injury to your best player. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think the Warriors win this series now. I didn't think the Warriors were going to win this series, but now that you have the Aaron Fox not 100% healthy, I can't see them winning.
3: Yeah, and again, no, I, I had Warriors in seven initially, and we've, we're seeing the home court advantage be strong for both teams, because the Warriors are just so bad on the road, but they're so good at home. But yeah, Darren Fox is, is not going to be 100% in Game 5. They're gonna He's not going
2: of, to be healthy for the rest of this series. Yeah,
3: They're, they're going to need a lot of other guys to be able to take over so quickly, and maybe it's somebody like a rookie in Keegan Murray, maybe it's somebody like Sabonis, who has been kind of up and down so far in this series. And don't
2: say the Clippers aren't going to ever win a championship. Kawhi Leonard has been proven to take teams in other organizations and win championships. I think Kawhi Leonard is absolutely capable of winning a championship for the Clippers. They just need other weapons around him. And Paul George, it doesn't work. He does not work with Kawhi Leonard. I know everybody says, we haven't seen enough sample size because both players can't stay healthy. And this is the first time we've seen Kawhi Leonard since he was obviously uh, since he signed with the Clippers. He's been out for two years because of the knee injury. But nevertheless, it took Kawhi Leonard almost half the season to get back to what he was two years ago. And now he couldn't stay healthy in the playoffs with his knee problems. And now you have Paul George he can't stay healthy. Paul George hasn't been 100% healthy for two years either.
3: Right. And again, just a tough process to be able to trust with the Clippers as a whole. Yes, Kawhi Leonard is capable of doing it when he is healthy. But hey, you trust him more and can you build enough depth around him if they can make that kind of thing work. And they just haven't been able to do it.
2: And the Grizzlies and Lakers, I'm just going to say this. This John Moran thing has been a problem. And it's not like LeBron James is is being just absolutely dominant, because he's not. He's averaging 19 points a game in this series, 11 rebounds and 4 assists. Now, those numbers are almost, they're great numbers. They're not LeBron James numbers, because in his career, he's averaged almost, throughout the playoffs, 30 or more points, uh, almost 10 rebounds in in 9 or 8 assists. He's unbelievable in the playoffs. But this series, he doesn't have to do much. He's getting a lot from Anthony Davis. He's played well in this series. And they just absolutely out rebound. Through this series, through the first four games, I completely out rebounded the Grizzlies. And John Morant, I don't know what's going on in his head. And everybody says they look at his numbers 23, 5, and 5. They're great numbers. But as far as him working with the team and that hand problem, his hand is not 100%. So he's going more to the hole than shooting. So he's shooting more by going to the hole than he is shooting threes. It's a been a big problem in this series. It's been a big problem. I, I don't think they beat the Lakers. I there's no As a matter of fact, I can't see LeBron James losing three games in a row.
3: No, there's no way they beat the Lakers. They would have had to win game three. They should have won game three. They made a lot of mistakes down the stretch. And even the last game, they were close. They should have been able to force overtime. John Moran had that insane behind the back pass. And then uh, then all of a sudden, they blew it on defense. So they had so many chances, and they have been able to put it together. And just like I was saying with the Timberwolves, the maturity of this team has to be there somewhere. And I don't think Taylor Jenkins is a bad coach, but he has to be able to get this identity work because outside of Jaron Jackson and Desmond Bain, who've both been consistently good in this series, they really have had too many guys that are just running their mouths. Dylan Brooks doesn't shut up, and he's going to look like he could get suspended too. And he's LeBron the, James took it personally. Brooks is the new Draymond Green. I know it's weird to, to to think that because he was a player that was pretty humble when he was at Oregon. He was a very good three and D guy, a good player on. The oh, he's of so, people
2: are buying his jerseys. He's yeah. becoming he's becoming a star now. Be, why? Because People like the bad dude. People yeah. like the
3: bad guy. I never would have thought he would have became that kind of player. Because, uh, again, he was always so likable for a while in college at the beginning of his career with the Grizzlies. And he Say looked, hello to the bad guy. And he's an impactful player, too. It's not like he's just a, a goon off the bench. He's a good 3 and D guy. He just, again, he d- d- doesn't shut his mouth. and oh, Why would you want to fire up LeBron James? Like, the
2: whole series he's been talking crap to LeBron James. Even where, after the game. It's so funny what he has said about LeBron James, saying that he's overrated. <laughs> I mean, who calls LeBron James overrated when he has all he has all the, the rebound points and assist records in NBA playoff history? He has every single playoff record, and he's overrated? I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about one of the three best players to ever play this game, <laughs> and he's overrated. But you know what? LeBron James loves it, and the Lakers are loving it because they're using it as uh, you know, something to stride for throughout this series. The 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 Grizzlies are a young team. They are, but this ever since the John ja Morant thing, this team has not been the same team. Mm-hmm. And again, In the yeah. first half they were unbeatable.
3: Yeah and again they're another team like the Warriors that had issues winning on the road anyway so maybe they wouldn't have won both games in LA but you have to think with all this talent you cannot waste it on just being so immature in so many ways too and yes I, they had a couple bench guys that were hurt but again they still have enough depth to be able it's to not overcome an it. it's, it's not, not an excuse there's no reason that the Grizzlies should be crumbling Jaron Jackson
2: was an all-star this year what has he done in this series Jaron Jackson and Desmond Bain have been fine everyone else I don't. but know what him. has he
3: done in this series he's, he's actually done well defensively but yeah but I, he's
2: ever- like, throughout no, the season, it was, uh, was, yeah, I know he's been. And that's what you need. You need scoring against the Lakers because if you're getting the points that you're getting from Anthony Davis, and Anthony Davis is giving you the stuff that you need as your second option or your first option, you're going to win. Mm-hmm. That's why they added Anthony Davis. That's why they traded for him. That's why they won a championship in the bubble year. But they still won a championship with Anthony Davis and LeBron James doesn't have to play at. Right now, at the top of his game, when he does play one of those other teams in, in the second round, whoever he's matched up against, I don't know who we would be matched up and with. They would be matched up against the Kings or the Warriors, whoever wins that series. Oh, I, if the Lakers play the Warriors, they beat the Warriors. I, I, I just don't think the Warriors are any good. The only reason why the Warriors are in this series is because De'Aaron Fox is not 100%. Uh, before we go to
3: break, uh, John disagrees with you again. He says either way, Lakers or Memphis won't win the next series. Really? And, I'm surprised that he thinks that. And Keith says he hasn't been impactful this series. Yeah, offensively, he has really struggled. But again, there were certain games he was outplaying Anthony Davis, which is why, again, I'm surprised that they're they're struggling as much as they did. And I think just a lot of it has to do with the maturity.
2: The Lakers have played very well against the Warriors this year.
3: Yeah, 3-1 and one against the Warriors this they're year.
2: Very, they've played very well against the Warriors this year. The Kings have had problems with. Mm-hmm. But the Kings are not at 100%. And that's why I think the Warriors are going to win this series. I, I, just, I don't know why everybody has a love fest for the Warriors. They wouldn't have won this series if De'Aaron Fox wasn't 100% healthy.
3: Yeah, you also got, it also depends on which... Uh, I mean,
2: was 100% yeah, healthy.
3: It also depends on how healthy they are, too. Because they're dealing with a lot of injuries themselves.
2: Mm. Ah. Anyways, when we come back, we will be talking to Pro Football Network NFL Draft Analyst, Ian Valentino, here on the Sports Loud Mouths.
0: It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. 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 This is the Sports Loud Mouths. April 26th.
2: Three days away from my birthday, ladies and gentlemen. I will be 41 years old. 41. I'm an old man. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You are listening to the Sports Loudmouth. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy. Petey. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all the shows throughout the week, including Game On! which airs every single Friday at 6 p.m. with Josh, a.k.a. Big Mouth Silverberg. I love you, Josh. And uh, obviously, Wednesdays, uh, the Sports Llam outs live and in color at 7 p.m. And on Thursdays at 9 p.m., check out all our shows. Great content, great guests. And by the way, Speedy is wearing underwear. So anyways. Uh, anyways, uh, we have a great bunch of guests for the next two days, and we have one of them online right now. Right in color. He's sitting right there. I don't know if he's in uh, his closet or something. I'm just kidding. (laughs) We're now talking to Pro Football Network NFL Draft Analyst Ian Valentino. Ian, what's up, man?
5: Hey guys, you're actually not too far wrong. We just moved into this house, so oh, right now, congratulations! Oh, congratulations! Like a giant closet. So.
2: <laughs> hey, listen. I mean, uh, it's probably quiet in there. No kids running around. Wife not screaming at you, trying to beat you with a pan. You know that could happen. You know,
5: <laughs> not yet. Night's still early. Night's uh, well, still a little bit. You know. You know
2: that that does happen. It does. I mean, hopefully she doesn't use a hanger or something because you haven't had, you don't have any of your clothes hanging up uh, yet. So anyways, um, before we get into the draft, how are you and your family doing? Obviously you're moved. Uh, did you move, get a new job? What's going on with you?
5: No, I've got promotions. So we moved from uh, Texas to Alabama. Oh, so congratulations, of, man. Look at thanks. you. Yeah, we're in SEC country now, which is... Uh, will be interesting this fall, but it should be a lot of good opportunities to get out and see some good players in person. So, Mm. uh, yeah, man, life's good. We can't complain. Well, you know,
2: you're, you're in better shape than I am. I mean, seriously, I mean, you're just racking it up, making some money, doing your thing. And, uh, let's get into the draft because, uh, Carolina jumping from nine to one, everybody believes it's, it's going to be a quarterback as many as, I think the world, 100% of everybody, 110% of the people in the world believe they're going at quarterback. Now, I have been arguing with different people offline, all over social media, Twitter, and my argument here is is it's Bryce Young or Bust. I do not believe it's C.J. Stroud. I do not believe it's Will Levis. Everybody's coming out and saying, now Will Levis is going one. it's not happening. I believe Bryce Young is the guy Carolina wants, Frank Wright likes, what are your thoughts? Where do they go at number one?
5: Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think it's an, an accident that uh, shortly after the pro days wrapped up that, you know, it was Bryce Young who vaulted up on the betting market. And usually, you know, I, I say to be careful with the betting market. If you're trying to predict picks, um, you got to remember that's a money-making thing. That's not necessarily a predictive thing. But the number one pick usually is pretty, pretty telegraphed at that point. Um, that's going to be one of those things that we saw today, even Bryce Young's agent, had kind of announced, you know, hey, I I signed the uh, number one pick in this draft. So um, and obviously referring to him. So I think that one's in the books. I think that one is we've been hearing Frank Frank all offseason say, hey, I'm not worried about height. I'm not worried about coaching a guy who's six three plus. I have just happened to coach guys that big. And I think that that was a pretty big sign that he was going to be signing off on Bryce Young. So
3: if you, in your opinion, do you have young number one, do you think he will be the best quarterback? And what is your order of
5: those top four consensus quarterbacks? I don't, I have him three, um, but each of these quarterbacks is so different. So like me saying that isn't saying that I think young's going to be bad. In fact, I, I don't really see a situation outside of injuries where he's a bad player. Like that's probably the pitch to take him one is he's probably the safest guy. Uh, but I, I'd rather have either CJ Stroud or Anthony Richardson, because Especially when you look at, you know, the top eight, nine quarterbacks in the league, they're all super gifted. They're all elite traits. They're all, you know, X, Y, Z. Bryce Young doesn't really have all of those traits. He's kind of like Kyler Murray, except for he doesn't quite have the speed. He doesn't quite have the rocket arm. And he might be a harder worker than Murray. He might be, you know, more football intellect, a bit of more of a gamer. And I, I would say those things are probably true. But you know, the physical traits do matter. Unless if you're Joe Burrow in the pocket, you really need to have those amazing physical traits. He just doesn't really have them. So for me, fairly safe pick, but I think it's a limited upside pick. I think giving up what they gave up, yeah, it makes them competent. They're probably going to be closer to a 500 team. It just really reminds me of like Baker Mayfield when he went number one, uh, where you're getting a good player. I just don't know that you're getting a great player.
2: Carolina is stacked. They have a very good defense. Their offensive line was one of the best offensive lines in the second half of the season, but I don't understand why all these different analysts last year said that last year's class is weaker than this year's class. You look at this year's class, uh, the quarterback class honestly was not as good as last year's class. It's crazy. I I mean, now I, now CJ Stroud had a pretty good season. Bryce young didn't have a Heisman trophy season. Like he did a couple of years ago. And Will Levis, who had a great 2021 couldn't stay healthy this year in 2022. And when he was on the field, he wasn't as dominant. So when you look at this class, who stands out to you the most out of all the quarterbacks and who could surprise you? Do you think it's Richardson? Do you think that if he sits out for two years under the right coaching staff, do you think he turns out to be the best quarterback in this class?
5: I think he can. Uh, it's just hard because like he, I would almost do the opposite of him. I almost want him to play right away. And I need a team to be like Buffalo. Remember how Buffalo took in Josh Allen and jo- and they said, Josh Allen, we know that you're a mess right now. We know that you're just this big ball of goofy energy. We don't know. You don't know how to use it. And we don't know exactly how you're going to use it. But we're going to let you play two or three years. We're going to let you do your thing. You're going to develop. You're going to take a ton of lumps. You're going to make some really ugly plays. But we're going to have your back through it all as long as you're working hard. We see where that went. And I think Richardson's kind of the same case. Like You have to just sit there and trust the process, trust your coaching staff. The thing with Richardson is he says all the right things. He's acknowledging what he has to work on. He's acknowledging that, you know, yes, he is super talented. He knows it. That's fine. That confidence is great. But he also knows that it takes extremely hard work to become exactly what Josh Allen has become. And so I think that awareness is a good thing to hear. Um, I think Richardson, if he hits his peak, there's no doubt about it. No one in this class, there's no one that could touch his physical peak. Uh, Now, does he get there? That's that's another story. That's going to be tough. It takes, you know, right organization, takes his work. Um, and also, I don't want to slight the other guys either. I do think C.J. Stroud has a very high ceiling, too. I think he probably has different question marks than Richardson. I think Stroud has to answer whether, whether he's a playmaker, if he can be one of those guys who really grabs the game, like Bryce Young. Does. Like Bryce Young, fourth quarter, I know he's showing up. He's got the Fajones factor. Like, he's going to be out there playing hard, playing well. C.J. Stroud, it was 50-50. Some games he had it, some games he didn't. Uh, if he doesn't have it in the NFL, he's probably like a Jared Goff, which is fine, but you don't usually want to take that guy in the top five, top three. So um, each of these guys has their major pros and cons. It just literally, I don't think they're comparable at all. Like stylistically, each of these guys is so different. You mentioned Levis. Levis's 2021 tape's really good. There's some moments on 2022 where you're like, okay, I can see it. But then there's a lot too, where he just had a bad supporting cast. It was almost like Justin Herbert at Oregon too. So Uh, it's, it's like, you know, what did we see versus what is he capable of? Mm. He might be a different player in the NFL. So
3: the Houston Texans, there was a rumor a couple of weeks ago that they said they're not going to take a quarterback at number two. Do you think that scenario is realistic? And if it does happen, like, do they just take it at 12? Do they trade back? What do you think will be the best option for them?
5: Yeah, it's, it's almost hard to imagine, right? Like they're, they're the team that would do it though. They're the team that would pass on a quarterback and then trade a bunch of assets to trade back up. And There, you know, I love the hired D'Amico Ryans. I think Mm. he could be a really good coach. Uh, But Nick Casario, it's just his draft history is so hit or miss. And it's been a limited bag, too. We only have a couple years to look at there. And last year was the first year he had first-round picks. And kind of missed on both of those guys, at least early on. So we'll see how those develop. But um, I I don't think they should be cute. I think this is the point where if you love a quarterback, you just take a number two. And if you want to move back up from 12 to get a different defender, whether it's Jalen Carter, whether it's Tyree Wilson, if he doesn't go top five, if it's Will Anderson, if he starts to fall, whoever it is, I think you just move back up for the defender. If someone knows that you're moving back up for a quarterback, especially if it's like Stroud or, you know, if it's even if it's Richardson, you're going to probably be paying a little bit more. I think this thing is generally pretty easy. When it comes to quarterbacks, if you love them, you just take them. Don't get cute. Just take them. Don't worry about it. Franchise guy, that's all that matters.
2: As everybody knows, we are talking to Pro Football Network NFL draft analyst Ian Valentino. He's an upgrade now. He's in Alabama, the SEC. Uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, Nick Saban is one of those guys that you just absolutely love. I look right now throughout this draft, and Jalen Carter has been a name that everybody has been talking about. And where is he going to fall? Is he drop to five with Seattle, which everybody says if he falls to Seattle, there's no way in hell they're not drafting him. I beg to differ. I know everybody keeps saying that. I think he falls, especially on some of the stories that we've heard off the field. And I'm not going to say he drives drunk because everybody took shots at me when he said that. But. Detroit, I've heard, was very interested in Jalen Carter. I've also heard Chicago, but now I'm hearing that Chicago's going after an offensive lineman because they need to protect their quarterback. Where do you think Jalen Carter falls?
5: Yeah, this is this is where the domino effect starts, because if Houston takes Richardson at two, where does that leave everybody else? I think that would be the real wrench in everybody's plan. I think if if they really take the curveball and if they go Richardson, or if the Colts go Richardson, Then all of a sudden, if you're Seattle, that takes your guy off the board. So for me, for Seattle, it's either Richardson or Carter. Um, I have a hard time seeing them just look at their athletic desires, what they want. Yeah, they might be interested in Tyree Wilson. He would make sense for them too. But because they've talked about this is their chance to get a quarterback. So Richardson just makes a lot of sense for them. So if Richardson's off the board, then yeah, Carter probably makes sense at Seattle. If not, let's say Richardson's there. Seattle takes Richardson and Carter. I think Las Vegas makes sense. Detroit makes a whole lot of sense. I don't think people are talking about Detroit enough. I know they need a cornerback, but this is a good cornerback class. You get one chance at a Jalen Carter and, and, you know, who knows personality wise, is he just a young guy who made a mistake or is he someone that really has real concerns? But I would probably bet on Dan Campbell figuring that out. I think Detroit's a really good underdog team to take him. Vegas, you have a hard time telling me that they're going to pass him up too. That's an elite player at a position they've been so bad at for so long. So, I do think teams are going to look at the talent and they're going to say, you know what? This is the best overall player in the class. We really can't pass on that. We're going to trust ourselves to get him better. His floor, if he starts to get past six, seven, I think Philadelphia probably jumps over the bears and they try to make a deal with, them, with maybe even Atlanta to pair Jordan Davis with mm. Jalen Carter again. Could yeah. you imagine
2: that? <laughs> yeah, Howie <laughs> Roseman loves
3: doing that all the time. Drafting extra and off- offensive and defensive linemen when they don't need to. <laughs> And it yeah. wouldn't surprise me either if that happens. Uh, so I want to ask you about another guy, a, a top athlete athletic prospect, but maybe could fall just because of the position he has. And that's B John Robinson. Is he a first round pick or did team shy away from him? Because you're not supposed to take a running back in the first round.
5: Yeah. he's a first round pick. I, I would lock that in. I think the Gibbs talk to Jameer Gibbs. I think that's, I, I think that's real um, probably a couple of weeks ago. I would have probably sold that Gibbs would be a first rounder, uh, but I do think he's probably a first now after we've, we've heard a lot, but I think, Robinson's that guy. I think, you know, Carter's probably my number one player in the draft. I would probably have Bijan Robinson number two. Uh, Jake Laser talked about it. He's top five on almost everybody's board, but you're wrestling with this like running back value thing. And I think that that's fair sometimes, but Bijan's one of those dudes. Like, look over the last 10 years. A lot of people will point out the busts at running back, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, these other guys. A lot of those guys weren't first-round talents. Like they either went in the back half of the first round, or it was a team that just misevaluated the blue blood talents, the guys who really should have been getting those those monikers of like you know superstar back. He is as good, if not better, than all of those guys. The nuance is there, the athleticism is there, um, the awareness is there. He's talked about his pass blocking ability, owning that in, really becoming a good pass blocker. He's great as a receiver, so he really checks all the boxes. I think once you get, it's interesting, like seeing Atlanta linked to him is. It makes sense from a talent upgrade, but like that doesn't really, to me, make sense for their roster. I do think once you start getting into like the teens, Detroit at 18, um, Minnesota, if they want to trade Dalvin Cook, it kind of makes sense to take Robinson. Mm. Um, I think if you get back towards even the Bills, the Eagles at the end of the first round, the Bengals, the, I mean, even I mean, you could even argue that like one of those day two teams moves up for right. is you know, does Miami try to move up if he starts sliding something like that? They don't have teams, a first round draft pick. <laughs> things blowing through those things. That's been crazy. Um, yeah, I, I, I think you could easily talk yourself into it. If I was telling a team this and I'm not again, I'm not usually like pay running back. I'm not usually first round running back guy. But that guy is that dude mm-hmm. and he is good enough to make a big enough difference to justify it. When we look back at this draft, it was one of the top 32 players in this draft, and sometimes it is that easy, and I do think it's that easy with him.
2: We are talking to Pro Football Network NFL analyst Ian Valentino. Ian, the Jets were here in New York. The Jets uh, obviously now made the trade. It's it's now through. He they have Aaron Rodgers. They're all set at quarterback. Name one from 13 to 15. They jumped. Uh, they fell two spots. I don't think it really matters. Where do the Jets go at 15? Who do you think will be available at 15? Uh, Do they go offensive line?
5: Yeah, I think it's between, I would guess, offensive line and receiver. It makes somewhat of sense, right? Like, this is a two-year window. If you get anything more than that, great. But I look at this as a two-year window. And so you got to block him. You got to block Aaron Rodgers. There's no doubt about it. He loves a good offensive line. Makes sense. He's 39 years old. I love the trade. I think it's a great trade for the Jets. Um, I was looking this up. Rodgers will, well, when it happens, there's one quarterback in the Jets all-time leading passers in terms of passing yards that has a completion rate over 59, percent mm-hmm. and that, that's it, it's Chad Pennington. Mm-hmm. So, which which makes sense, but that's so like I just like I know of, like the Jets' quarterback history is so mind blowing that it's like that bad. I love the trade for the Jets, but I think you got to look at offensive tackle Broderick Jones, big guy from Georgia, mm-hmm. man handler, run blocking savant. You can play him at left tackle or right tackle. I love his upside as a pass blocker though as well um paris johnson i don't think will be there from ohio state if he's there i think he'd be a i think he'd be a good choice he's pretty raw he's a good player but he's pretty raw um darnell writes the other one too and he could play right tackle um, that's a little bit more of his forte from tennessee um really really talented player you kind of got to know about his personality see if he's going to be uh the right personality fit for the team i think each of those guys totally makes sense we don't know what mackie beckton's going to be and I don't think you can really chance it with this roster because this roster is playoff caliber with ease. So you can't really take too big of a risk there, I think, with Beckton on the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, you might be able to take a receiver. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think he makes sense. Uh, we've seen some buzz over the last couple of days that they were doing, doing a lot of pre-draft work on him. I don't think that that's an accident. How about the Giants? Yeah, so Giants are in a great spot. They know exactly what they need, offensive line. You got to come out of this with offensive mm-hmm. line help. You got to come out of this with uh, a little bit of, you know, maybe cornerback help. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can justify another edge rusher because there's not a lot of depth there. Great class for it. So at that late first round pick, I say take advantage if you can of the offensive line depth. Maybe you're taking a center. John Michael Schmitz out of Minnesota would be a great pick. Um, there could be an edge rusher if Nolan Smith falls a little bit further than what you think. He makes a lot of sense there. Um cornerback. I'm always looking at cornerbacks. You can never have enough, especially for Wink Martindale. He's gonna have guys keyed in on that defense because he blitzes so much. You've gotta have guys who can win on an island. Deontay Banks from Maryland, Joey Porter Jr. Is he gonna be on the board there? I think it's possible. So they're in a really nice spot, I think, to get a great value and get someone that can play day one at a high level.
3: I hope the Giants get Porter as a Giants fan, but I feel like the Steelers will draft him because of Joey Porter. (laughs) It just makes too much sense because they need corner too. too too. It makes way yeah. too much sense because they also need corners. So I wanted to ask about the wide receivers, too, because there's a lot of arguments on who the number one actually is. I think it is Najigba when he's healthy. It just he's had a lot of injury issues the last two years. I also like Jordan Addison, even though he's undersized. Where do you stand on that?
5: Yeah, I've got Jason one, uh, then I've got Zay Flowers, too. Okay. Uh, those would probably be my only two first-round grades um, that I would give to anybody. But I think it is a really good day two class, and someone's going to be pushed up. It's just about fit right? Like Jordan Addison, you can sell me on him going to Minnesota and being a really good player. And I'd say, you know what? It's probably worth it. I'd probably even say that for the Giants too. It's like, he makes sense there. It makes sense for the audience, makes sense for the skill set. But for me, it's JSM. I think he can be more than a slot. I am worried about the injuries though. Ohio State guys have not gotten to the NFL and stayed healthy. That's been an issue. I don't know if there's something going on there in the water uh, in the Buckeye State, but they've got to get their guys healthy with those soft tissue injuries. So a little bit concerned about that. Um, and I do. I agree with you, though. I think Addison is a guy to watch. I'll be really interested to see if he goes in round one because I think he's going to be that kind of uh, the wild card. You know, the betting market is basically saying that he they don't think that he will or at least he's the tipping point. So late first round, I think maybe Kansas City, Buffalo could make sense.
2: Ian, Detroit had a very good draft last year. Uh, Williams came back in the middle of the season. I, I believe at a full season, they're going to have weapons all over the field. At six, uh, a lot of people believe – uh, the star running back. Uh, I think you were talking about who, who's that? Robinson. Robinson. Robinson falls to seventeen. Uh, I believe Robinson will go to Detroit. Uh, they yeah. they lost a running back this off season. Also gained a running back. Where does Detroit go at six and seventeen this
5: year? I, I would look defense, unless if there's that star there, right? Like I think Robinson makes sense at, in the middle part of the first round. Just such a good running game. If you had someone like him, like that coaching staff's going to love him. But with that six pick, I think you either got to take Jalen Carter if he's there or you got to take a cornerback. They trade Jeff Okuda, wanted out on that business, talking about estate injuries Another other guys, not been healthy. Good he's been healthy, but he hasn't been healthy. So what's that mean? You mm. know, does very it's not very helpful. So they got to get a cornerback. And I think they could definitely get a starter at six. They could even wait until that 17 pick and get a starter there, I think, too. That's going to be like the run, right? It's going to be Washington at 16, probably into the mid 20s is going to be that cornerback run. Uh, so for me, I'd look at them as I'd see their The betting favorite's been Devin Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. Interesting. he's been the betting favorite since like the combine. It, and it's like surprisingly like the favorite. He's minus like one fifty to be taken there, which is pretty unprecedented when you're looking at like the middle of the first uh, top ten picks. So I think cornerback's a pretty safe bet there. um from looking at seventeen. that's gonna be the range where a lot of teams are out of first round grades. So if Robinson's there, he makes sense. If not, i would probably look towards that edge get someone to help Aiden Hutchinson a little bit. They don't really have a bona fide star. I wouldn't be totally stunned if they drafted a receiver, which sounds weird. But Jamison Williams, he's gonna be suspended for six games this year for making bets inside the Lions facility, which is just head scratchingly dumb. Um I could see him taking like a Quentin Johnston, someone like that, getting another long term starter at receiver. Not getting rid of Williams, of course, but you know, I think they also lost um they also lost their guy too. DJ they Charm, lost, uh, yeah. Williams was yeah, one of those
2: six guys? I didn't even know that. Yeah, I did not know Jamison Williams was one of so that's a being last year starting the season with the ACL tear. He was out for half the season. Now he's going to be out six or six games this season. I mean, that's, a, that's horrible.
5: Yeah, it's it's a really tough break for a team that's you know on the up. Especially it's gonna be a little more uh, more interesting division this year with the Vikings probably sliding, Bears being a little bit more competitive, and obviously mm. the Packers uh, rebuilding a bit.
2: We are talking to Pro Football Network NFL analyst Ian Valentino. So just a general one,
3: one sleeper player that you like a lot more than the others and a guy that is supposed to be a high first round pick or top 10 pick that you don't like as much.
5: I'll start with that first one, uh, or I'm sorry, the second one, uh, someone I don't like quite as much. Um, I would say Lucas Van Ness. Um, we've been seeing him really mocked towards the, at the bottom of that top 10. I think he's a good player. He's just like that classic tweener who, you know, he plays interior defensive line at Iowa. And then people are, you know, projecting him to play outside end a lot more in the NFL. Uh, he's got the athleticism to do it. but We've seen guys like Derek Barnett, you know, for Philly. I mean, he's not like amazing. We've seen like a number of these guys. They end up being like six, seven, eight sack guys. They're fine. I'm not taking a top ten pick on that. Uh, someone that I like probably more um, than others. I'd say Cameron Mitchell. He's a cornerback out of Northwestern. You see him usually on day three. Um, and even Alex Austin, a cornerback out of Oregon State. This is really like a great draft to get a good cornerback in those middle to late rounds. Both of those guys, good athletes, both tested off the charts, especially compared to maybe what people expected out of them. They were really solid cover players, both of them really smooth. They're lockdown type of players. But they didn't have a ton of ball production, and I think that's where they probably suffered. And like the COVID year also changed everyone's perspective. Like You have older prospects in this class Mm. uh, because of that COVID year. I'd look at those two guys, though, and I think they can both be year-one impact players for, for any defense they go on to.
2: Ian, I think when you look at Tampa, they have Baker Mayfield starting this year. I believe if there's any team that can move up in this draft and get Richardson, it's Tampa. I think him sitting back behind Baker Mayfield for a year. I don't trust Bowles, okay? I don't think he's the guy that's going to help this kid figure it out in the NFL. But nevertheless, I could see Tampa moving up in this draft and getting a quarterback. Do you see Tampa doing something like that? Or do you think uh, at 19 they sit there and maybe add an offensive lineman?
5: I think they make sense as a team that would go all in. And they kind of have one of two directions, right? Like, do they double down? And do they really make that big push? Uh, They've got a win now roster. They've got a team that can play. Like if they want to extend Devin White, they could do that. If they wanted to keep Mike Evans and extend him, they can do that. So I think they're at a really tough pivot point. Uh, I think it depends on how far these guys fall, right? Like a week ago, we were saying Will Levis is just going to fall to them at 19. That's one conversation. That's a different (laughs) risk. You're talking about moving this year's first, next year's first probably at least one or two second round picks or maybe even white, maybe even Evans, depending on how far you're trading up, uh, to start to get someone that probably won't be ready to play for a year or two. And I I think Bowles, he would have to be – pretty pretty secure in his job i think to make a deal like that or and he may not even have to say he's gone it may just be a jason lick thing where he like, is no, gone hey, at the end of this year <laughs> i'm not a bulls head coach guy i'm sure you're not either like you know like i'm a jet fan experience. do you think
2: i really like todd bulls eh,
5: no i'm sure you don't <laughs> sure you, and i don't i don't blame me he's just not a good you know i don't these head coach material and so um there's no shame in it there's only like you know 10 good ones so mm. um i i wouldn't be surprised because tampa has a history of being aggressive I think their path really relies on Houston being silly at number two, not taking a quarterback. And you would have to hope that either Denver or – I'm sorry, Detroit or uh, Seattle also pass a quarterback. If those two things happen, I think Tampa Bay is really going to start working the phones. I also think you're going to see Tennessee really working the phones to start moving up too.
2: Ian, before we let you go, quickly, where do all four quarterbacks land in the first round?
5: Uh, young the big Carolina, ones. Mm-hmm. I'll say – You know, I think Stroud still goes to Houston. I think they'd probably just take him, too. Um, I I don't think they're going to get too crazy. I would say Levis. I'll say Levis goes to Tennessee, and then Richardson Hmm. goes to the Colts. Wow. I think Tennessee moves up to, like, eight or something and takes Levis.
2: Well, Indianapolis drafts at four, so they would go into Richardson. Really? Hmm. Yeah, I think they (laughs) did. Interesting. Interesting. Ian, we really appreciate you as always. We'll get you on very, very soon after the draft. Uh, it'll be it'll be an interesting, interesting night tomorrow night. So, uh, where does everybody fall? And, and there might be a lot of trades in uh, the the first night of the draft. So, a lot of things could happen. Mike Evans could tra- be traded, as we saw AJ Brown last year get traded in the first round. So. Anything is possible.
5: DeAndre Hopkins, too. He could be traded. My picks will look a lot better after the draft because I'll know the results. So (laughs) when everything I just said is completely wrong, (laughs) I'll just own it and just say I'm an idiot.
3: Lucas Van Ness, all pro season coming.
2: Listen, uh, (laughs) Mel Kuyper has always been wrong, and he's making the big bucks. He was supposed to
3: retire because Jimmy Clausen was supposed to be the next big thing.
2: (laughs) And he's still making the big bucks. It doesn't make any sense to me, but Ian, we really appreciate you.
5: It's my pleasure, guys. You guys have a
2: good night. Uh, we were just talking to Pro Football Network NFL Draft analyst Ian Valentino. Very nice guy, Speedy. Very, very nice. Uh, hopefully, we'll we'll look at his draft board. We'll put it together tonight and see where it where it falls. But uh, it's going to be interesting. Let's go to a quick break. When we come back,
0: let's parlay here on the Sports Mounts. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mouths.
2: April 26th. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, three days away from being 41. Old man E, you could call me. Uh, You can call me whatever you want. I mean, 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You are listening to the Sports Loud Mouths. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speeder. Yes, he is Speedy Petey. Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including the Sports Live which airs every single Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We are live right now as we speak, and on Thursdays at 9 p.m., as it is the late show, and we will get into the draft all night tomorrow. It will be draft craziness, draft, draft, I almost said graph, draft chaos uh, on our network. So it'll be crazy if you're a Jet fan, Giant fan, whoever fan. There are a lot of crazy things that could happen, but anyways, um, we have our guys on. And we're we're going to mute them before we introduce them. Uh, Speedy, we call this segment "Let's Parlay." Parlay, ole ole ole. Parlay,
0: parlay. It's time for Let's Parlay. All right, ladies and gentlemen. We've got
2: Derek Mountain again. We have his buddy, Sam Wagner. He, Wagman, I'm sorry. Uh, we have World Wide West Reno, Mr. Johnny on. And uh, hopefully, if Chaz actually pops up and he doesn't look like a, a giant, uh, you know, weed stick, uh, whatever the heck he calls that. Uh, that is an inadvertent porosia for Wake and Bake, I guess. Uh, there he is. Uh, we'll see if he, he looks. Oh, there he goes. Uh, he looks a lot better there, uh, as we have uh, Mr. Chaz in the mix as well. Look at these.
1: Look at these faces.
2: Oh, my God, Jazz, Are you in love or something?
1: Hey, you know, not for nothing, your stream is making me pink again. My stream yard's (laughs) working fine, so I think... Oh, what
2: are you saying? It's place. our stream yard? <laughs> I'm
1: maybe Petey's not necessarily paying stream at all, but he's telling you that he is. That's all I'm saying. Uh, yes, he
2: is. <laughs> it's uh, you know It has to be something with either the camera, the feed, whatever. It doesn't really matter. It looks fine now. So stop complaining yeah, that's, over that's, there, Chad. I got that background in uh, Nigeria. Mm, mm, there you go. I like it. I, I think that's $1 a...
1: dollars on Fiverr.
2: There you go. So uh, we know that World Wide West has to go. And and World Wide West, what is his record right now, Speedy? Six and two right now. So he's been three and one in both weeks. He's trying to get the
3: perfect mark. Mm. He just hasn't been able to get that. But at least he's not as bad as... I told
1: as... him to quit while he was ahead. He's that's a, That would a lifetime 75%. He could get free drinks anywhere he goes. Yeah,
3: I, I, I know Wes, uh, being the uh, the uh, betting, the handicapping expert that he is, he has tough standards on himself. But at least <laughs> he didn't finish under five hundred <laughs> like Jeff did the first week on uh, this second. Well, you know,
2: it's so funny. Before we get uh, get to Wes's picks, I was talking to Jeff today before the show, and Jeff was telling me, "I said, Jeff, you are one of the craziest people. So you could go in the Brazilian Spanish league and mention teams that nobody's ever heard of, and uh, and you land on your picks." I, it's it's crazy, Jeff is he's all around college football guy, college band. now he's all about soccer, all about soccer because uh, that's his moneymaker, as he says. But Wes, are you ready, my friend? All right, let's go, Mr. Wes. Parlay,
6: so I'm gonna throw out this disclaimer like I do every week, parlay is not the primary strategy, of course. You, you take all four plays, and, and you, you bet a unit on each one of them, and you let your record pay you, uh, and then you, you kind of throw a tenth or a quarter unit on the parlay. That way, if you hit all four, you catch some some cherry on the top. So I like to throw that disclaimer out, because if, if you're parlaying as your primary strategy, uh, you're probably not going to find long-term success in, in making a living in, in sports handicapping. So um the here, here's my place i am on golden state tonight and i'm gonna lay the one and a half uh you know i think looking at golden state with with really i think that they need they need some play out of role players bench players you know DeVincenzo is close to a 40 percent three-point shooter and he's been silent it, it just not even a part of what they're doing in the playoffs i you know a guy like that with a big game could could really uh could really help them so I, and and this series is is interesting because nobody n- nobody can win a game on the road, and you know that's been a problem with with the Golden State Warriors all season. But I, I like them to show up. I like them to get better productivity from from the bench, um, and you know so I'm I'm going to lay the one and a half tonight on the Warriors, and then uh, my next two plays are, are tomorrow. The uh, the Rangers are in a different scenario. Nobody wants to win one at home. And I realize that we're not talking about much home ice advantage, but what's really interesting about this one is if the Islanders can somehow win the series, the winner of this Rangers and Devils series will have gone two rounds and never have had to get on an airplane, which is a pretty interesting thing. Uh, but I, I like the Rangers and I like, I like the money line tomorrow night and um you know, I, I, I the Rangers are, are my pick to to win the Cup. I, I think that if they can pull it all together, they they certainly have the talent to do it, and they have Stanley Cup pedigree on, on that roster. Errol, I know it, it's painful <laughs> for me to say that. Stop uh, to you, but uh, it's, listen. Uh, I picked you, the Rangers
2: to win this series. I don't know why you keep attacking
6: me. I don't well, I think, think the Islanders
2: win this that series, that. by the way.
6: I think we could probably take it back to, like, plus 1,200 around Christmas time. <laughs> L-
2: listen, uh, you're the one that picked Golden State. Then you pick the Rangers that go all the way. Two teams I can't stand. So, you know, right now I don't like you. I, I, like, I like who you are as a person, but when it comes to betting on teams I can't stand, I don't like you.
6: Okay? So... <laughs> No, no worries. I, I don't take <laughs> it personally. It's all about the logo <laughs> and the colors that you support. Uh, I'm still, uh, the other one I'm taking tomorrow, and I've confirmed that this is a valid play. I needed what I feel like is a, a layup just to cover the parlay. I, I'm going baseball, and Chaz is probably. I can see his eyes from here. Um, I'm taking the Angels money line. I, I think that's just an easy, easy play to sprinkle into to a fourteen parlay, and um, then then I'm, I'm going. At, to Saturday and regardless of what happens tonight in the Avalanche Kraken game I like Seattle to win it uh, on Saturday I'm going to take the plus one and a half what I like about what Seattle's doing in, in this series they're, they're not afraid of the defending Stanley Cup champion but their they're top three uh, their top three players as far as points in the regular season haven't even gotten started yet in this series. But then you look at some of these statistics, Seattle is outscoring them on the power play three to one. Seattle is also uh, a beneficiary of all the penalties that the Avalanche are committing. We're talking 38 to 26, Colorado is spending time in the box against a team that is better uh, on the power play in this series. So I, I really like Seattle and you know they're either gonna close out the series or they're going to force a game seven on Saturday. So that's those. Those are my place.
2: Worldwide, Wes. We really appreciate you. I know you have to go, buddy. So uh, you know, keep rolling.
6: And re- representing the freshman year, CJ Stroud. The-
1: <laughs> we'll talk in the morning, uh, Wes. I got to do a draft show, and I, I've got a couple questions for you.
6: I'm going to be there. I'm going
1: to be at the draft.
2: Look at so you. Look. You're so you're so special, man. It's you're... around the
6: corner. I can walk from here. Take me an hour.
2: Well, you know, you should have invited me. Actually, um, I was actually going to co- go out there, but Taba Ali, uh, I don't want to. He lost a family member. So uh, oh, damn. he's been dealing with that. So uh, I decided not to go to the draft this year. So Errol,
6: you, you have an open invitation. All you got to do is let me know you're coming. Mm. The door is open.
2: Oh, you're the man. I love you, man. Wes, we'll, we'll we'll keep tabs on you. We'll let you know where you're at because uh, this is the end of the month. So right now, unless something crazy could happen, you're going to win the first month of par. Let's Parlay. We've only played three weeks of it, but uh, it'll be a full week. I mean, a full month next month. So we'll really see... Uh, Who is going to be racking up the wins?
1: LPV, baby.
3: Here's here's the disclaimer, too. Uh, Derek's we might have to wait for five months on his first (laughs) week.
6: Have have a good show. Always be casting, fellas. (laughs) Always be casting, Wes.
2: Worldwide West, one of the best handicappers in the country. I'm not lying to you guys. He's as good as it gets. All right. Chaz, are you actually parlaying this week? LPV, baby. LPV. What's that? LPV.
1: Uh, let's parlay virgin.
2: Okay, all right. So are you playing?
1: Is that what you're saying? Got, I'm going to give you four picks. All right,
2: let's get your four picks. Let's go.
1: Oh, you want to go straight to me? To right? you. Yeah, let's go. Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, I'm not betting really anything. I'm, I'm following John in the West. It's it, it, When you have guys that are good. Not, and, Derek, I talked speedy about you today. I don't know if you – did you keep going with that triple-double bet every game? We were, uh,
7: me and Peter were literally talking about it today. and He's been a cash cow. Joke-age. And
1: His <laughs> lines have been at like
7: plus 200 every single year.
1: remember, that was, you, you did it. And, you, and yeah. of course, and, and nine what he had 38-9-9 nine, and nine or something, you know, yeah. which is if you're going to lose, that's a tough way to lose. But I told Petey, I said, when someone gives me a play, and especially in, in baseball or if it's not a pitcher-related game, and they lose, and I know they're good the next time I hop on it. And I laugh because I think he hit two or three, didn't he?
7: He's hit the lo- he hit the last two games. Yep. Yeah.
1: Good for you. Or if you had him. All right. So, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I'm not handicapping, but I still have my easy sports data program. And it's been weird because I'm living almost in a surreal world, guys, of football every single week. Now, you may not say that XFL is football or USFL is football. Uh, but you're talking to a guy who watches Tuesday night football in college, and these guys are just as good as a Mac game all day long, you know? So i just been plugging in the data. Now, as you know, I normally wait at least three weeks, but because I'm trying to play with you guys and I have nothing else to talk about, I'm going to take the two XFL games, and I'm going to look at week three of the uh, USFL, and I'm going to come out with my four best plays. I'm going to start with the playoffs, uh with the xfl so this is saturday 9 30 my time again i get football at 9 30 in the morning i don't know if i deserve this i must have been really good in a previous life or something but I, here's what i got it's uh new orleans at birmingham both are 2-0 against this oh no the, Oh, i apologize that's the usfl i want to start with the xfl because the xfl we have been covering all year so this is um the first of the semis it's Saturday, 4 o'clock, the second one is Sunday at noon. Saturday at 4, it's Arlington and Houston, 41 minus 6 uh, is the spread. These two guys played week 2 and week 10. Houston won both games, 23-14, 25-9. Arlington has scored 18 or less in 8 out of 9. Houston is allowed 9 or less in the second half, 9 out of 10. And at, at home, it's less for all five games, 9 or less. At home, Houston has allowed 21 or less, four out of the last five. They've covered all four of the games where they allow 21 or less. I like Houston in the end but for for that's what I'm going to bet. But for the contest, I want to use the Houston part. I also am calling the Houston in the second half. I've done that with them a couple times this year. In the second half, especially if they're a little weak in the first half, they do not give up any points in the second half. Seattle at D- DC Sunday at noon. It's forty-eight and a half minus three and a half. I like the over here. I'm taking the over for the contest because um, they just—I don't know—they they give up a lot of, of, of points. And uh, I don't know. The over just jumped out of me. So that's my two plays for that. I got to find two plays for the USFL, and I went with with the USFL. I went with the Saturday nine thirty in the morning game. That's New Orleans at Birmingham. I got Birmingham, they're both averaging 30 plus, they're both getting uh, over 345 yards a game, but Birmingham hasn't allowed a passing touchdown and they've given up 12 total points, I'm going with the Birmingham defense basically, and then Sunday 1 o'clock will be, uh, let's see, Sunday. At one o'clock, yes, this will be the game because if I give you four plays, I'm going to bet them all. I'm going to bet it for the first half too. I'll bet cover for the second half, but I definitely will have a parlay. So Sunday, I don't know what you guys will be doing, but at one o'clock my time, I'll be watching New Jersey at Michigan, and I got Michigan. Both gain um, 300 yards, both allow 240 yards, but Michigan hasn't allowed a passing touchdown yet. They score 26 a game. They only allow 15. Uh, those are my plays. There's four of them, right?
3: Yep. All right, uh, Sam. I know you mentioned you have to go, so we'll have you go next.
2: Okay. Um. I By the way, few... thank you for joining us, Sam, for the first time. Mm-hmm. On let's parlay. We know nice a lot about you. you. Sam.
4: <clears throat> thank you for having me, Chaz. We actually worked together at Vegas Insider briefly, but
1: oh, did we? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remember the name. Yeah, man. How you been? Good.
4: Good. How good.
1: are you? Let's come out. and Go four zero to start.
4: <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I got a couple of NFL draft bets as well as a, uh, a golf bet for you guys. Uh, I'm going to start it off with uh, Michael Mayer to be the first tight end drafted at minus 120, which I grabbed a little earlier in the week. It's now up to minus 150 on there. But Dalton Kincaid's medicals have not been great. Uh, even though some teams have signed off on them, about half the teams in the first round have reported to uh, not really be in on him. And I think Mayer's a better overall prospect anyways. So grabbed him to be the first tight end drafted over at DraftKings at minus 120. Um, after that, I grabbed QBs to be drafted in the first round under four and a half at minus 120 because I think while we all agree that you know some combination of Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud, and Bryce Young will go in the top ten, there's not really another quarterback in this draft you know outside of Hendon Hooker who can really sniff the first round. And I just have my doubts about Hooker. He's got a third-round grade really at best for me. He's, he's 26. The guy, he's just old. He's like a new-age Brandon Whedon to me. So if anybody <laughs> remembers Brandon Whedon, what a colossal mistake that was. Uh, I just sense this is going to be another issue for Henry <laughs> Hooker. Um, the The last prop I have is for Will Anderson to go in the first three picks, so that's under three and a half for his draft position over at DraftKings at plus 150, and for me, this comes down to just a best player available position. You got two teams in the top three that could probably go defensive end in both Houston and Arizona if they decide to stick in their spots, and I really just think Anderson is the best player in this draft, so... Uh, I went with him to go under three and a half at the plus money, and then for my golf pick, I'm rolling with uh, big man Tony Finau down in Mexico of the Yanta Vallarta to win that tournament at plus 850 over at Vandal. and he's just you know you got John Rahm who's the number one golfer in the world in that field, but. I'm not worried. Tony Finau has been on an absolute tear recently. doesn't have any tournaments except for one out of nine this year where he's not finished in the top 20. And this is an extremely weak field. You can argue that it's really just him versus Rom. And Rom's probably focusing on the majors to come ahead. So I went ahead and backed Tony Finau at plus 850. So not a parlay, but four picks that I believe... All are positive eating.
2: We say parlay because it's just the name of the show. You could parlay them, but it's the, well, the show. the really the really The segment is let's called party? Let's Parlay.
1: Is that how you came up with it?
2: What do you, What do you mean? Let's Parlay. the show?
1: Okay. Is it like Let's Party? It's a takeoff. It's it's Let's, a, it's
2: let's Parlay.
1: It, it's like I a, know, but it sounds like it could be a takeoff. I like it. I like it right. a lot. All right, thank you. Hey, thank you, you know what, Sam? You should get more than ten points if you got a plus eight fifty to pops. <laughs>
4: well i've I've hit a few I've hit a few recently so hopefully uh, this co- this continues yeah, I was talking
1: story. to a guy about the golf and tennis betting and, and it's it really is it's a different it's a different style of betting and, re- and you have to you know uh, golf they all they offer the matchups too you know so you could have a guy that wins three matchups in a row, and he doesn't win the tournament. You lost your 850, but you won more money betting <laughs> on uh, the first three days.
4: Absolutely, but you know I I enjoy the outright betting because it gives you a sweat for all four days, and uh, you know if your guys in it on Sunday, it's it's very interesting. Oh, but... when
1: you got a nice lead like some of the tournaments have, and and it's your guy, I've been there, man. It's like makes for a great day because you just glance at the screen every 30 minutes or so, you know. <laughs>
4: Absolutely, but thank you guys for having me. I do have to hop off here.
2: Absolutely, so my friend. Absolutely. Thank you guys.
3: And it looks like we have another one. Um, John, Jonathan.
7: Yes,
2: we'll, we'll put John on after Derek. All Derek, right. you got your picks? I do. All right, do. let's go. Uh-huh.
7: So uh, I actually have one of Sam's picks. So it was my favorite pick under four and a half quarterbacks in the first round. He basically covered it. But this is a bet for Hendon Hooker not to go in the first round. And just add on, he would be the second oldest quarterback behind Brandon Whedon to be picked in the first round in the modern era at 25 years old and change. Um coming off a torn ACL. He plays in that Art Bryles gimmicky, s- super spread run and shoot offense that really doesn't translate well to the NFL. Um, you get this at plus money right now. It's like plus 160 at FanDuel. I love this bet. Um, I have two games for tonight. So first game, I will go to hockey. I'm going to go with the Kraken, plus one and a half on the puck line. It's at minus 160. Um, I think the money line is live here. Um, Wes touched on it, but McCar is suspended for tonight. That is huge. And for a team like the Avalanche, uh, their depth doesn't match up with Seattle. Seattle's four lines are really, really deep, and it's given them a lot of issues. So no McCar for Colorado. They haven't had Landeskog. Um... For a team as top-heavy as them, I think this is going to be a problem. I think the money line is live, but to play it, see if I'm going to go with the puck line. So I like the Kraken plus one-and-a-half goals. Um, And then to basketball, I'm going to go with Malik Monk over 16-and-a-half points. Um, One of my favorite angles, especially in the NBA playoffs, is looking at role players at home and away splits. Malik Monk at Sacramento has been a monster in this series. 50 combined points in the first two games. We could get this at plus money. It's plus 100. Um, Kevin Herter is coming off his worst game in the series. Also a wing for Sacramento. Um, two points, 21 minutes. I expect Monk's usage to be high tonight. Um, he's got great matchups against Clay Thompson and Jordan Poole on the wing. So um, especially with Aaron Fox and the dislocated finger, I think he's going to put up 15, 16 shots in this one. So I really, really like this one. Um, and then my last one, I'm going to go to tomorrow. I'm going to go with the Celtics to cover minus six and a half kind of a big number on the road. I don't love it, but an elimination game, they dominated last night for 42 minutes and that was just an utter collapse. Trey young had some magical moments, but there were, there were just some embarrassing turnovers by Marcus smart in the end of that game, 23 to eight run. Um, I think Atlanta is going to regress here. I mean, Deandre Hunter has been hot. Um, I don't know if that's going to keep up. John Collins had 23 last game. That's not happening again. Trey Young, 38 points. That's not happening again. Um, Boston's been able to score well in, the, in this series. Um, even though it's been a little bit of a struggle, 3-2, to two, they've been scoring – over 120 every single game, they clear clearing easily, so I think they're going to cover this number tomorrow. So those are my four picks.
2: Wow, wow, wow! I, I mean, you know I tell you I, this: this is the most players that we have for Let's Barlay on the show in the three weeks, so it's been great. What were you saying, Jeff? Uh,
1: interject that, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he just he said something really important that just kind of slid through, but. The home away, it doesn't matter whether you're looking at the, the player stats, team stats. The bottom line is, teams do not play the same on the road as they do at home. Mm-hmm. It's just a fact. Some years, as you know, you'll have teams that are better on the road that are at home. I mean, the Chargers, home games, is that really a home game right? when they nope. play? So that, that was a good point. It really is that you've got to be able to separate out. Because especially if you know if, if their numbers are good, consistently is one thing. But when you see bouncing in a team, when we had one year, I think it was the Eagles when we were first on the radio, they were we, I was six and betting bet them because they were three and O at home and 0 and three on the road. So everybody looked at them as three and three. I think they were four and two against the spread. But I was six and O because I bet them at home and I bet against them on the road. It's it's such an important.
2: Well, just so everybody knows, it looks like uh, elimination time for the... Cleveland Cavaliers as the Knicks are up 106 to 95. 48.8 seconds left of the game. Looks like the Knicks are moving on for the first time in a very long time. I think it's like long time seven years yeah, since 2013, the Melo scoring title year.
3: Yeah, Chaz, uh, ten years, ten years. Yeah, Chaz, I just wanted to mention. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned your Easy Sports Data, and you mentioned the Chargers. All good things start when the Chargers blow a double-digit halftime lead. That's, that's right. how Easy that's Sports true. Data was formed. Uh, like we mentioned on Monday Night Mania.
1: Our second F, my production company is called Second F Chaz Productions. <laughs> And the reason it's called that is because, while well, I was doing the data, and I said, "Oh my God, th- this team is terrible in the second half." And I and I hit two bats. I hit uh, Denver for the second half, the Chargers for the first half, and both of my wins were shutouts. So the Chargers were up like twenty-four nothing, I think, at halftime, and they lost like I don't know twenty something, 24, 30 something to twenty-four. And so yeah, when you could bet against the Chargers, usually good. Let's shots.
2: let's try to slip John on because I think he's having problems with his. Uh you know, his uh, feed. But, uh, John, do you have your four picks?
0: I'm actually going to go on the uh, Kings tonight. I got two plus two for the Kings. Um, uh, I'll take them. And then I also have uh, Kings over, team total over, 116.5. I think those are both really good plays. And then for hockey, we got two plays for tomorrow. I'll take the Rangers to kind of get control back of that series. And I'll take Holden to win on the puck line. Minus
2: 1.5. All right. Thank you to John. Thank you to Chaz. Thank you to World Wide West. Thank you to our friend Derek. And thank you to our new friend Sam. So uh, we had the most contestants. Guys, if you're a betting, if you like to bet, you have to. Uh, Speedy will give you all the feeds. Speedy, uh, give everybody's picks quickly.
3: Do you have it up there? Uh, I'll, I'll give it to him in the comments All
2: section. All right. We'll give it to oh, you yeah, in so the terrific. comments section because uh, Speedy needs a little bit of time. Thank you to you guys uh, for joining us for Let's Parlay. I'll
1: always be casual.
2: All right. Let's go to a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we will be talking to the game day NFL draft analyst, uh, Michael Rockman, here on the Sports Lab Mounts.
0: You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mouths. We
2: are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, you're listening to the Sports Loud Mouths. I'm your host, Errol Marks. My co-host, Speedy PD. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including... Our show, which airs every single Wednesdays, as we are live right now at 7 p.m. and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Great shows, great content, and by the way, great guests as always. And we have another guest. Thank you to Let's Parlay, all the guys that came on the show. Speedy, uh, I think before the show is over, we have to read them off because we have a lot of people listening to us digitally. They're not watching us, so how the hell are they going to see the speed? I mean, they're going to see the feed. So I think you need to uh, read them off whenever we get, we get that uh, before the show ends. Uh, before we invite the new guest, our new guest, onto the show, uh, you can call the number at 631-672-3108. Uh, Ian Valentino was on a little bit earlier. Now we have another draft guru. We are now talking to the game day NFL draft analyst, Michael Rockman. What's going on, Mike?
8: Not too much. I'm just trying to catch up on all the sleep I've been missing these past few days. And, oh. you know, now I'm here ready to talk some more football.
2: No, well, so are we. And uh we uh had a long conversation with Ian and he had his own thoughts to the draft. I'm sure you do as well. How are you doing? Obviously I see you play golf in the background, so you're a golf player. Uh how are you doing uh with COVID and uh uh going going into this off season with the with the draft? a uh, lot of work I'm sure.
8: Yeah. Play a little golf, but unfortunately, you know, haven't seen many results on the on the course so far. <laughs> Not a lot of great uh, plays out there. Whenever I go out there, but you know, for the entire draft season, it's it's something that kind of kicks in in January, and you kind of go full sail after that, all the way through April. And it's been something that there's been a lot of hard work and long time spent on it. You know, watching tape, trying to get evaluations on players, mm-hmm. trying to create content to match that, so you can get some notability for what you're doing, and you know, try to build a little bit of a brand, but. You know, it's it's something that I love doing, so it's been such a great time and great opportunity for me. And I'm really happy with the result of this draft cycle.
2: Well, we're very happy to have you join us. We've had, we've reached out to a lot of different people and a lot of people are working. Um, they're at the draft. They're getting ready for the draft. They're doing their podcasts. So uh, it's, we usually have a, a slew of different people that come on the show, but it's just, they're so busy with the organizations and teams that they work for. Uh, but we're happy to have you on. Uh, this is the first time for you on the show. Uh, so, why don't we get into it? Uh, what is it that people don't like about C.J. Stroud? And, and a lot of people thought he was by far the best quarterback in this class. Uh, what we saw in the uh, Final Four, uh, in the, the the Final Four t- t- tournament for the championship, uh, the way they played against Georgia, they should have beaten Georgia. Um, and he was one of the reasons why. Why the downfall? Why is everybody saying that he is dropping in this draft? And some people believe that the Texans don't even like him if Young goes on goes one. What is it with C.J. Stroud?
8: Yeah, I mean, personally, I think C.J. Stroud's a very good quarterback, but there are some legitimate concerns when it comes to his game. You know, he showed some great ability to make reactions and make decisions once the play breaks down against Georgia. But there's been struggles on tape where, you know, he, he struggles once the play goes off of his initial read and then he finds issues and can't really find that next read or the next receiver to target in the offense. And that leads to some mistakes as a passer in the NFL, Ohio state quarterbacks have kind of come into the league and need a lot of development in terms of processing the play finding effective reads in a condensed field. And I think that's something that could very easily happen for CJ Stroud. He doesn't offer the athleticism and same mobility that a guy like Justin Fields maybe had to where he could turn to his legs whenever the play broke down. And CJ Stroud is still a mobile quarterback. That's going to make some plays. And I think he's going to be a good passer in the NFL, but I, I understand there's going to be a little bit of a growing process for him that maybe has resulted in a little bit of hesitance from some NFL teams. And they'd more want to opt with the, Guy that's maybe got a little bit of a bigger arm if they're already going to be having some struggles early on, you know, into their NFL career. Maybe they try to swing for the fences with a guy like Anthony Richardson or a guy like Will Levis.
3: So what is your ranking of the four quarterbacks and also what order do you think they will end up going in?
8: Yeah, so quarterback one, I have Bryce Young. I understand the stature is a little bit of a concern for some people, but ultimately when you look at what he does on tape, he has some of the highest intelligence for the quarterback position. He breaks down the game extremely well. He creates for himself. I think there is a little bit of this nature to him where he can escape and create extended plays like Kyler Murray, but at the same time, he's much better at avoiding the sacks and getting the ball out and making proper decisions so he's not taking those big sacks that are resulting in like 18-yard losses like Murray kind of has a little bit of a tendency of doing. At QB2, I have Anthony Richardson, but you know ultimately, Anthony Richardson is going to be someone that needs time and development if he's going to work out in the NFL. The arm talent, the athleticism, the size, the frame is tremendous. But the accuracy, the decision-making, it all needs a lot of proper working out and development in order to make those next steps and be able to play at an efficient level. Because even if he plays to the level he did in college in the NFL, it's not going to work out. He needs to take major strides. There are nice moments, nice flashes. His technique kind of runs hot and cold. And I think he's someone that has a tendency to overthink the situation when he's given clean opportunities to make a throw, and that results in him aiming the football and as a result not being as accurate because he's not putting that same velocity and zip on the passes quarterback three I have cj stroud he's someone that kind of reminds me of Derek carr where i see nice mobility to where he can extend the plays but ultimately he is a pocket passer he's someone that has some very nice arm talent i think he works pretty well out of structure in terms of working on the run trying to make throws some people don't think so but ultimately you know cj stroud is someone that i think can and will be a very high caliber quarterback this is a great class if you're looking for a franchise quarterback for that top four options because all of them have a lot of appeal to where you can buy in pretty easily at qb4 i have will levis and you know i kind of compare him to carson wentz and i know a lot of people hear that and they get a little concerned a little scared about the idea of drafting him but carson wentz was one of the top quarterbacks in the league for some time and the confidence issues came in and his play started to deteriorate as a result of that and he never really developed in terms of reading the field Levis has some similar issues in terms of forcing some throws or missing some reads, but if he can make those steps, then he's going to be way better than once maybe ever was in his career. And, you know, as a result, he could be one of the top quarterbacks in this league very easily.
2: As everybody knows, we are talking to, um, the, the, I'm sorry, the game day NFL draft analyst, Michael Rockman. I apologize. I'm, I'm looking at something else, trying to get some information here. Cause I, I'm, I'm there. There is a team that might be training up right now. Um, looking at, uh, something that's being posted right now on Twitter. Um, so we look at the quarterbacks, and, and everybody has liked what, uh, what Richardson did um, at the Combine. He didn't have a very good season. There was not enough time on the field that we can really judge how good Richardson is uh, on a football field. What do you think of his athletic ability? Do you think that he could be one of the best quarterbacks in this class, or maybe the best quarterback in this class? Do you believe that he should start this year, or sit, the, you know, get a chance to sit on the bench and learn behind somebody a veteran? And what team do you think he would fit sitting on the bench and learning from that offense?
8: Yeah, I, I like the idea of him sitting and kind of developing, and I think the best landing spot for him is a place like Seattle, where Geno Smith has been one of those top prospects at the quarterback position and then entered the league into a bad situation, kind of struggled out the gates and never really got that confidence to be the full-time starter again. And a lot of people wrote Geno off as this guy that's never going to have the ability to be a starter in the league. He found a home in Seattle and was able to turn in a really good season. Now at 34, you know, he is getting a little bit older, a guy like Anthony Richardson, and the way that they set up that contract extension Kind of makes a lot of sense to have a one, two year type sitting system where he can learn from Geno Smith, kind of hit the ground running whenever he does get to see the field. And I think, you know, with the offensive weapons, Kenneth Walker, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, there is a lot of opportunity for him to succeed in Seattle. I really like Shane Waldron as a quarterback's guru to kind of develop him along the way. Anthony Richardson is a gamble and he's someone that very easily could you know never really take that next step and there's going to be some concerns and teams that just don't buy into it and that's perfectly valid but at the same time if you're able to get this guy unlocked if you're able to unleash the tools and traits that you see from a snap to snap basis there's probably about two very good plays and then one that will leave you completely scratching your head and just unsure about if he can ever really make it happen for a consistent drive in the nfl but you know, there are some throws that he makes that 10 quarterbacks in the NFL probably aren't capable of. And I think that ability alone is something that a lot of NFL teams will have to heavily consider. And a lot of them will buy into it as a result.
3: So this rumor of the Houston Texans not taking a quarterback at number two, one, do you think it's realistic? And two, what do you think is the best approach for them if they go with that route?
8: Yeah, I I do think it's realistic. It sounds like they are very much in on one of the edge rushers, whether that's Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson. Big question right now for Wilson is the medicals. I think right now Will Anderson makes the most sense. And then I think with that number 12 spot, either you could potentially take a quarterback if someone were to follow you, but I think if you're passing on the quarterback position at two, it's because you're not bought into them being that franchise guy and you're kind of kicking the can down the road to next year. And I'm okay with that for a situation where Demeco Ryans is in his first year as a head coach. There's still a lot of rebuilding that needs to happen on this roster in order to get the Texans to being a playoff team or being a contender further down the line there's still a lot of additions that this roster is going to need. So I think maybe this draft, they spend it trying to build a defensive identity with a defensive coach like Ryan's. Maybe you get a Will Anderson at number two, and then you look at number 12, maybe you can trade into that range of number eight or number seven or number nine with those teams that are potentially looking to trade down. And you get a Jalen Carter and you take a huge step on your defensive line. Or, you know, you sit at 12 and you add some other pieces that are available in that range. Maybe you get a double dip at the edge position with Will Anderson at two and a Miles Murphy at number 12. There are a lot of options on this board, a lot of defensive talent in this class. And I think if you're a guy like D'Amico Ryans who, you know, you, you've come up as this defensive player. You probably have this mindset of defense wins championships. We need to provide pressure to the quarterback. We need to find a way to make an impact on the defensive line. I think there's plenty of trench players that you can add through this draft, and I think it's going to be a great step in the right direction.
2: Mike, why is it that over the last couple of days that Tyree Wilson is moving up on everybody's draft board, even over Will Anderson? A lot of people think that uh, Texas is interested in in Tyree Wilson. Uh, Some people think that Arizona... Could, could draft him at number three. And there, some people believe Will Anderson could fall all the way to five to Seattle, which would be a steal. Why is it that over the last couple of days, Tyree Wilson is jumping? Everybody's bored.
8: Yeah, I think it's just buying into the traits. You know, a lot of these front offices and coaching staffs have a lot of confidence in themselves to unlock these players that they're willing to draft. So a guy like Tyree Wilson with arms over 35 inches, a 6'5", 271-pound frame, that's able to operate both as a down lineman and stand-up pass rusher, there's a lot of appeal in that and someone that has great short area bursts to be able to close on the football routinely. He maybe doesn't have the same amount of bend as a guy like Anderson, but he's got about 20 pounds on him, a tremendous frame that kind of outweighs the frame and length that will Anderson brings to the table. There's, there's a lot of reasons to buy into Wilson and I don't think that someone like Tyree Wilson is a bad pick personally. I still lean will Anderson. is my top player in this class. And I think he's going to make an impact from day one and continue to do so through his career, you know, barring any crazy setbacks, but For a guy like Tyree Wilson, the ceiling is absolutely there for where teams are saying to themselves, you know, if we like this guy and we think we can unlock him, which we have the confidence in ourselves to do, then the upside is tremendous and we can make this guy into a superstar in the NFL.
3: Yeah, the, my question about the edge rushers, like that second tier of the edge rushers, there's a lot of debate of who could go, we've seen Miles Murphy all over the place, anywhere from like he could go in the top 10, could he be at the end of the first round, same with Luke and Vas- Lucas Van Ness, who our last guest Ian wasn't as high on, and then Tyree Wilson too, so where do you stand on those, do you still think they go early because it's a premier position, or do you think they fall?
8: Yeah, I I think Lucas Van Ness is probably my edge three in this class right now based on everything that I've seen. You know, another guy that has a great frame at 6'5", 272 pounds, kind of reminds me of Preston Smith of the Green Bay Packers (laughs) with very nice athleticism but able to operate both in a stand-up or down lineman role. A lot of people are concerned about the idea that, he never started a game for Iowa, but that's just more of a seniority thing that happens at Iowa more so than a talent standpoint. Lucas Van Ness is easily the best defensive lineman on that team, one of the best defensive linemen in this class. And I think he's someone that, you know, brings a lot of versatility and size off of the defensive end spot where a lot of teams are going to value that, you know, having that down lineman ability that's able to hold the ground and kind of, you know, contain as a run defender, but also break to the passer. He shows great speed at four, five, six, 40 times. So I think this is someone that, yes. I get the hesitance because he doesn't have as much production as maybe a top end edge rushing pick usually has, or he doesn't have the same type of, you know, resume with no starts on his resume. But ultimately I think there are a lot of traits that are easily to easy to see translate to the NFL. And I think, coaching staffs again are, are going to buy into themselves to unlock that ability and turn him into a full-time player at the next level.
2: We are talking to the game day NFL draft analyst, Michael Rockman, you know, Michael, everybody over the last couple of months has said, um, Peter score Skoransky has been the best offensive lineman in this year's draft. Now, all of a sudden, some people think Broderick Jones could be drafted in front of him. Some people think that possibly Paris Johnson could be drafted in front of him. And, and Darnell, Wright. Who a lot of people think it could be all around the best offensive lineman in this year's draft has dropped a little bit in this draft. Why is that?
8: Yeah, so for a guy like Skronski to start things out, you know, he he shows a lot of great experience. He's had 33 starts in his career and has looked like a stud in all of the playing left tackle for Northwestern. The big question though is length. And, you know, some people don't care about it and think, you know, it's fine. He's gonna find a way to make it work. He's a great tackle, he's got great technique, he's he's gonna make a lot of great plays on the outside and be fine at tackle. Some people think because of that length, he's gonna to have to kick inside. And some teams aren't going to draft him in general and be looking at him as, you know, not enough length, not enough base power. He's gonna have some issues. He has added weight in this draft process, which I think is huge for him and should add strength to his overall play. I think right now I project him as an offensive guard. I do have some concerns with the length, you know, thirty two They said that about Elijah Vera
2: Tucker and look how good he's turned out to be.
8: Oh, absolutely. Um even Vera Tucker though, he did have uh, the 33 number, so at least there was something there for, you know, the, the uh, threshold for that mm-hmm. position. But, I mean, there's still easily such such a great case for Scrantia to stay outside of tackle, and he could probably make it work. He has good enough technique to where I think in the middle of the first round he's someone that is well worth grafting and putting at the right tackle position. He's Who was
2: the kid on Tampa? Ability. I'm sorry to cut you off. Who was the kid no, that... What, what? I'm sorry. Um, oh yeah. Oh, I was saying you're good. Uh, yeah. yeah. Speedy. Who was the the offensive tackle that was drafted a couple of years ago from Tampa? Tristan Worth. Tristan Worth. Who a lot of people said was small too, and he's been pretty good at the offensive tackle position. As a matter of fact, I think he has been the best offensive tackle in that class.
3: Yes, definitely. Yeah, absolutely.
8: He's. I think he's far and away that tackle one for that class. And I think the best thing about Worth was he he had this wrestling background to where his base strength was incredible, and even when he was. Seeming to lose his momentum, he found a way to stay squared in his lower half, and that allowed him to hold his ground. And I think that's something that Skronsky kind of struggles with. You know, there's a lot of times he can't match that power on the outside, and that leads to some issues to where he's getting taken back into the backfield and, you know, resulting in pressure or a sack on the quarterback. I'm not saying Skronsky can't do it. I think Skronsky has a lot of great traits, and I think it's very possible that a team looks at him and says, that's going to be our right tackle for the future. And Let him stay to good. 15, baby.
2: <laughs> Let him stay to 15. I would love the Jets to draft him at 15.
8: Similar to Vera Tucker. it'd be a cool situation where, you know, one of them plays guard and then the other can stick around at left tackle and it'll probably work out for the team where you're getting Skoronsky out in space, letting him pull as a blocker, letting him work as a run blocker for the big Primary identity of that team, it's going to work extremely well. So I do love that fit for Skronsky to the Jets if he's able to be there at fifteen. Um, you know, to answer your initial question about some of the other tackles in this class, I personally like Broderick Jones as my tackle one for mm. the overall group of the consensus top guys. And I think what I saw at Georgia, despite his limited experience, which some teams are going to value the guys like Darnell Wright who bring forty-three or forty-two games of starting experience to the table. You know, Broderick Jones still has that ability to. Just stay composed through his entire play. He's got nice flexibility, nice nice athleticism, uh-huh. sorry, and then nice anchor to where he's he's moving around and taking guys out every single snap. You saw him in the playoffs. As the season progressed, he just got better, and I think that's a great trait to see in young offensive linemen. You want to see that development through the course of the season happen with Ryan Ramchick over the course of the year at Wisconsin when he was a prospect, and a lot of teams kind of ignored that aspect, and he ended up being one of the best tackles in the league whenever he entered. A guy like Roger Jones, I think he's going to be an absolute stud. You know, Paris Johnson, 26 games of starting experience. This was his first year starting at left tackle. Was playing guard because of the Nicholas Petit-Friere and Dewan Jones that tackle duo that they had last year. I think he's someone that, you know, offers a lot of intrigue, probably will be the first tackle off the board. Wow. Tyler Murray's been, you know, campaigning for him at number three, which could be very interesting. 36-inch arms, or over 36 even, 6'6", 313, great athleticism great movement ability to where he's going to be someone that, you know, has all the traits kind of reminds me of a Ronnie Stanley, who as a prospect, you mm. know, had a few flaws, had a few inconsistencies, but even when he was viewed as this mobile blocker, he went to Baltimore, which is a power scheme and made it work because he's just that good of a lineman. I think Paris Johnson is going to be very similar. And then, sorry, I don't want to keep rambling on, but no, it, it's about...
2: good information. <laughs> yeah. good talk to... yeah, really, really good. Right, real quick. Really good so. information.
8: Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was just uh, mm-hmm. I'll talk about Darnell Wright real quick and then I'll, I'll toss it back to you. But this is a guy that, you know, during the season, a lot of people had questions about his athleticism in his play. But he was still dominating in SEC scheduling where he was going against guys like Will Anderson, guys like B.J. Ojulari, and playing at a high level, shutting them down and containing them through the game. Then he entered this offseason. People were saying, OK, he's got some nice experience, some nice tape, but there are moments of stiffness and lack of athleticism. Then he dropped about 15, 20 pounds this offseason and turned in a tremendous combine. This is a guy that now kind of checks all the boxes at 6'5", 333 pounds with 33 and 3 fourths inch arms. He kind of passes that threshold that a lot of teams are looking for at that 33 inch mark. And, you know, I think he's someone that generates so much power and now has added this athleticism to his game that I think the jump to the NFL is going to be pretty simple for him. He's probably the most pro ready Tackle and offensive lineman in this class, in my opinion. And I think for whoever gets him, I I could see it being, you know, 14 to the Patriots where they value that experience, or maybe a little (laughs) bit later to a team like Washington where they're kind of looking at tackle. I I think they're going to be very happy with what they bring in. And I think the upside is being a little bit slept on because of these younger options that, you know, maybe are playing at the bigger schools and have these bigger profiles or more draft type to start out this season. But I think Darnell Wright is a tremendous prospect and that dropped weight is going to be easy to see on tape with what he can do from snap to snap.
3: I want to go back to the defense side of the ball, the cornerbacks. There's no obvious, like, all right, next-generational talent like we thought with Sauce and Stingley last year. So what is your number one or the rankings of it, and how many can you see go in the first round?
8: Yeah, so I think this cornerback class is one that is filled to the brim with a lot of top-end talent, and it's going to be interesting to see how they play out, because it's really going to come down to team preference for how they rank these guys. You know, someone like Devon Witherspoon, who may be viewed as a little undersized and maybe not the top preference for teams that value that physical play at the cornerback position, seems to be the obvious number one guy for a team like Detroit, where they value his tenacity and ball physicality. Um, You know, personally for me, I have Christian Gonzalez as my cornerback one, I think, 6'1", 200-pound frame, four-three-eight speed, great arms at 32 inches. And, you know, he he has the athleticism and fluidity and great technique that I think makes it work from a snap-to-snap basis where you're relying on him in open space on the outside and you're going to be able to shut down a lot of receivers. I do think, you know, he he got away with his athleticism a bit at times trying to bait throws, and I think in the NFL maybe that could come back to Biden a little bit, a little bit of refinement is going to be needed for him. But ultimately, this is someone that was – playing at Colorado, moving around the field, playing outside cornerback, slot cornerback, strong safety, and making it work with some great flashes of play. Went to Oregon, continued to build on his resume, continued to improve his stock, and now is one of the top cornerbacks in this class. You know, Devon Witherspoon, who I talked about earlier, is my cornerback four. And, you know, it feels disrespectful to have him at four, but it's because the top end of this class is just filled with so many talented options. One guy that I think is absolutely slept on right now and has been dropping down boards, and I have no idea why, is Cam Smith of South Carolina. You know, he was someone that has 6'1", 180-pound frame, which is a bit light, so you need to add some muscle without losing some athleticism at the position. But he's someone that turned in a great combine, was viewed as one of the higher instinctive cornerbacks in this class. I, I think the play intelligence is off the chart, and for a team that is looking for cornerback help on the outside, in the later parts of this draft, I think Cam Smith is such a home run pick and someone that should be getting more cornerback one talk than round two talk that he's getting right now.
2: We are talking to the game day NFL draft analyst, Michael Rockman. Mike, Philadelphia, drafting at 10 and 30 last year. They traded up. They got AJ Brown. Uh, it absolutely helped him throughout the season. They, to me, one of the most underrated wide receivers in a league over the last couple of years. Yes. I mean, if you look at his numbers, you couldn't say that he's underrated, but People misjudge how good A.J. Brown is, especially what he did for Tennessee. Look how bad Tennessee's offense was this year without him. Um, Where does Philadelphia go at 10 and 30? Do they trade down? Do they trade that pick? Do they trade one of these picks to add a piece uh, that can make them, again, uh, give them a piece that they need? Do they draft Jalen Carter if he falls to them at 10 uh, with uh, Mr. Big Daddy Davis over there? So where do they go at 10 and 30?
8: So what would make most sense for me at number 10 is just based on Howie Roseman's draft history, he loves to invest in the trenches. So whether that's defensive end, defensive tackle, or offensive guard to fill Sumala's hole uh, that he left by going to Pittsburgh in the offseason, I think one of those positions could very easily be the pick. Personally, in my latest mock draft with uh, Two Minute Drill, the YouTube channel that I run, we had them picking Lucas Van Ness at number 10. I think you know, getting that high-end developmental pick That can be an edge rushing rotational piece where the Eagles, you know, when they won the Super Bowl back a few years. They had a healthy rotation of pass rushers, and you saw them try to replicate that this year by trading for Robert Quinn, trying to add some pieces like the the Dominicans suit to the defensive line on the interior. And unfortunately, it didn't work out for the production standpoint. You know, Quinn didn't end up turning in a sack during his time with the Eagles, but it's very clear that High Rosen values having depth and a healthy rotation on the defensive end spot to be able to keep your pass rushers fresh. And I think a guy like Lucas Van Ness he has the upside, he has the ability, he has that rotational work history, I think it could make a lot of sense. Here, here's
2: work. why I would disagree. You, you, to me, uh, if you're drafting in the top 10, you have to draft a, a, bona, a bona fide starter, a guy that's going to play three downs. And, and drafting a 10... You can't just have a guy that's going to fill in and just gives you depth. You draft somebody with depth in the second and third round, guys that could play and that could fill in if somebody gets hurt. I think at 10, you, you want to get yourself a bona fide star. And uh, do you think Van is is a bona fide star?
8: I think immediately, probably not out of the gates, but I think, you know, for a guy like Harry Rosen, where you have a defensive line that is aging kind of day by day in a situation where, you know, Brandon Graham probably only has a year or two more left of prime play where he's contributing at a high level. You have guys on this defensive line like Fletcher Cox that are getting older. You need to add young pieces to where long-term, you know, two, three years down the line, you're still going to have high-level play. For a guy like Lucas Van Ness, maybe the immediate impact isn't as high as someone that's going to be playing snap-to-snap, but at the same time, you're the Philadelphia Eagles that just made a Super Bowl run, Mm. where there aren't a lot of openings on your team for starters to play out of the gate. It's crazy. If Lucas Van Ness were to be drafted by Chicago, there's a very real possibility he's a starter on day one for the Bears, and In a situation like Philadelphia, he could very easily be the fourth edge rusher in rotation. Now, that doesn't mean that it's a wasted pick because I think they rotate their guys enough to where... Lucas Van Ness would still find a way to make an impact, but I think the ability to have someone that can both contribute early in the in the role that you're looking for him and then you eventually get him to develop into possibly a high-end player if you evaluate him in that way and eventually be the guy that replaces Brandon Graham. So the fall-off isn't so drastic when you know Graham's play maybe regresses or he eventually retires. There's a lot of value in that, even though I, I understand the immediate impact. I would get I mean, an offensive
2: lineman it, really if if you're if you know that Johnson is probably on his way out. Uh, he can't stay healthy. Kelsey could be gone in a year. I mean, I would start rebuilding that offensive line right now. You're you're drafting at 10. You're drafting at 30. You can get your t- two bona fide offensive linemen at that and solidify your offensive line for many, many years to come for Jalen Hurts, who's a mobile quarterback. That's where I would go. I don't think you need defense. I think your defense is elite. You're one of the best defenses in the league. One of the top five defenses last year. To add more depth to that defense, just Doesn't make any sense as far as what I see.
8: Yeah, and I I think that's totally fair. And I think that's what's great about this draft is we don't know what the Philadelphia Eagles are going to do, what their mindset is going into this draft cycle, and what they're going to approach for draft night. You know, a guy like Skuronski, where you could draft him, put a right guard with the added weight, you assume he's going to have that power. That run game probably continues to be the identity of your team. There's a lot of upside there for a guy like Bijan Robinson, who you know some people don't want to see a running back pick that early in the draft, but. Mm -hmm. Bijan Robinson isn't going to be wasting carries on a bad team being a top 10 pick for the Eagles. He's going to be the identity of that offense and be a stellar running back in that system. So there's a lot of options. And I I do think uh, for the offensive guard position, there are a lot of later round picks, maybe, you know, day two type guys that, bring a lot of value and kind of fit that scheme that the Eagles are looking for, whether it's Matthew Bergeron out of Syracuse, who I think moves extremely well at a 320-pound frame. Tyler Steen, who played left tackle for Alabama, I think kicks inside and has a lot of value as well. Uh, Guys like Cody Mock or Osiris Torrance, potentially there at 30. I think there's options later on to where you can still invest in the trenches on the offensive side and get your day one starter while adding those pieces that could have long-term benefits and higher upside for the defensive end spot You know, early on at that number 10 pick.
3: I like Torrance. I'm hoping maybe he could be an option for the Giants if the receivers or corners that I want them to take as gone as an interior offensive lineman. So speaking of receivers, um, a lot of them, are, there's no obvious number one. Like a lot of them are good, but they have their one flaw. Addison's undersized. Quentin Johnson with the drops everyone's worried about. Jackson Smith, the jig guy, big guy, I think this is the most talented, but he's injury prone. So where do you stand on these wide receivers? How many do you see going in the first round? Because it's been a very rich position recently.
8: Yeah, I see four going in the first round in the collection of Jackson Smith and Jigba, Zay Flowers, Quentin Johnson, and Jordan Addison in some order. Uh, You know, for Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think he's probably going to be the guy that kind of goes in that top 15. I assume he'll probably be off the board by. You know, maybe that 14th spot for the Patriots, or maybe a little bit earlier. We'll they have don't draft see, but... wide
2: receivers in the first round, unless the one they yeah. did. Uh, Nikhil Harry didn't work out for him. So. <laughs> Who I liked at the <laughs> time I was badly <laughs> wrong. Arizona State. I mean, and everybody, yeah. I, you thought I didn't think he was going to be good. I, as a matter of fact, I was probably one of very few people thought that he was going to be any good. I remember when Jeff went crazy when when. So did I at the time. That <laughs> yeah. that the Patriots yeah, got him. What a bust! What a bust! but yeah, go ahead i'm sorry down, unfortunately
8: no i i agree that they probably won't go receiver personally i think um you know it seems offensive tackle but bill's such a weirdo when it comes to drafting i think <laughs> tight end is a little bit more in play than a lot of people are considering for the patriots um but you know with jackson smith and jigba i think he's going to find a spot there in those top 15 picks um you know ultimately the other guys probably fall into that 20 range day flower seems to be charted to the chargers pretty often and frequently in mock drafts i think Guys like Jordan Addison and Quentin Johnson are going to be in play for teams like the Ravens, teams like the Giants, teams like the Vikings that are looking for those added pieces. Maybe they fall a little bit further for teams like the Bills or Chiefs at the back of the first round. There's a lot of value in these receivers, but I think at the same time, there's maybe a little bit of limit on the upside that they offer. And that's what kind of holds back a lot of these teams from investing the draft capital of an early pick in these guys. But I think... I think there's been a little bit of overcorrection in the regard to how these wide receivers have been addressed by the media and you know consensus opinion. These still are very talented <laughs> wideouts. They're going to contribute in the NFL, but you know the the way these people talk about these guys, it sounds like they're just you know UDFA's that are just kind of the best of. Of a dumpster fire
3: of a position right now. Addison is what I'm hoping for as a Giants fan, from the receiver or Joey Porter. Hoping that he falls as a corner. They're
2: also saying this is this is a very strong tight end draft, one of the best we've seen in the last ten years. So you're talking that you can get a top end tight end in the second round, in the third round. That could be elite, you know. Uh, once they figure things out, they're saying like there's 14 tight ends or 13 tight ends in this draft that could be really, really good.
3: And there were a lot of good ones last year too. So maybe it's a position. And remember, that's a position
2: now that has been in the NFL ever since the Patriots really with Hernandez and Dan Gronkowski when they drafted those guys and now uh, Bill O'Brien's back and and maybe uh, obviously uh, Gesicki they got in the offseason, I like Gesicki uh, if he could stay healthy. But I think he's going to flourish under Bill O'Brien's offense. But that's just me. I don't know. I'm not an offensive corner, So what I, what would I know? So,
8: Yeah, I, I like the group for the Patriots for sure. But, you know, both are free agents in the offseason. And Bill Belichick kind of loves to mm. do that draft and advanced strategy. I wouldn't be surprised if he's all in on a guy like Darnell Washington, who has yeah. that blocking acumen to mm. kind of – almost play as a sixth lineman for a team. And then if you can unlock that receiving ability, which I think he showed a lot of upside for and has a very nice athletic profile that he showed at the Combine to where, you know, if he's even 50% of the receiver that Gronk is, you're probably getting a high-level tight end in this league. And, you know, this is a tight end position that, like you said, very deep class. But the NFL as a whole probably a little bit underwhelming at the tight end spot. So a lot of these guys could come in and maybe make an impact to where they're moving up those ranks and strengthening the league position as a whole.
2: Oh, there's there's really only four tight ends in this league that I would say are scary and elite. And uh, it's, it's probably the hardest pos- position to defend when they're on the field because if they're fast and they're big and they have good hands, how are you going to stop them? Linebackers can't keep up with them. And uh, safeties aren't as big as them; they're hanging on them. How many times have we seen two safeties hang on Gronkowski, and he pulls them all the way five, six, seven, eight yards? So, I—I mean, it's one of—it's the hardest position to defend. If you have a great guy, a great speedy guy, uh, and, and and you don't have that linebacker uh, that can keep up with them. And there, there are not many linebackers in this league that can keep, keep up with tight ends. Unless
3: you're Kyle Pitts and you just don't get thrown to.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. that's that's Delana's fault. Maybe they don't have a quarterback that can throw it to him. So maybe they should go hunting for a quarterback. Hey, maybe a Will Levis. Uh, that would be nice. Uh Trying to go after somebody else, maybe a Richardson. Hey, look at that! He could be sitting there. Michael Vick, two point uh, Well, I, I still think you need to sit him out and, oh, and, <laughs> and and give him at least a year to figure out that offense. And I don't know if their coach right now is the coach that you're going to follow through with when it comes to Richardson. And that gives you that gives him another two or three years to learn under another offense if you do fire your coach this year. If Atlanta doesn't do anything uh, in a very easy division, so. Uh, Mike, we really appreciate you. Uh, I know you're, been a, you're a very busy guy. And by the way, I, I will tell you this. Your analytics and, and really your information is fantastic. I, tell the fans how they can find you on social media because it, it, it really. I'm not trying to blow your head up. Uh, you, you, the information that you give off of these players, it's like you have the inside scoop uh, on wh- where you see these players or what type of players they could be going into the NFL.
8: Yeah. Uh, so if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at MR underscore NFL draft, you know, trying to do a little branding, a little play on the initials, Mr. NFL draft type, mm. uh, you know, for YouTube, uh, if you search two minute drill NFL draft, you'll see a lot of my player profiles, me and a couple buddies, uh, buddies. We, we collaborate on a ton of content, putting mm. together short form profiles. So, you know, if you're watching the draft and you say, who the heck is this when someone gets picked? Watch a little quick two-minute video. You'll get all the insider information that you need. Uh, great
2: show. It really was. Thank you to everybody. Uh, thank you to Michael. Thank you to Ian. Uh, thank you to Jeff. Thank you to Carl. Thank you to Derek. Thank you to Sam. Uh, thank you to John. Uh, thank you to Wes. Thank you, for, thank you for everybody. And Chaz, yes, I didn't forget about you, Chaz, uh, who wants to take shots at our, our uh, whatchamacallit again, our, um, our bets? No, 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 our, our, our feed. Whatever he said, but uh, uh, just so he knows, he uses our feed too. So thank you. Um, we will be back tomorrow, 9 p.m. Who do we have tomorrow? All Speedy? right, so we might have, he didn't give me a time, but he said he could
3: do Thursday. We might returning to the show, might be Darrell Worthy. Mm. Uh, probably going to be a, a, earlier in the show. And then join a Packer. Yeah, and then joining our draft coverage will be. Uh, uh, it's Connor Likely, a live, live tee. He is a freelance guy. He's done work with uh, the Cowboys. He's done work with the Jets mm. and a couple other a couple other uh, websites. And he's also done some uh,
2: PFF stuff as well. He's a writer. And, then our,
3: uh, and then our Broncos friend, Lance Sanderson, will be coming on as well at some point as mm.
2: well. Uh, but, uh, Carl, you're fantastic. I love you, Carl. Uh, come on tomorrow, Carl. Uh, I'm sure our show is going to be... Very fun. Uh, we will we will have it really be a football show most of the time. We will get into the NHL tomorrow. We'll we'll go through the the playoff bracket. Uh, we didn't get a chance to do our bracket wars. We will fill in that tomorrow. So, yeah. uh, but I'm not worried about that because you know it's it was a busy night. We five hour show. It's a long show, man. Yeah. But we're happy to do it. I. I You know, I'm tired, but I've uh, you know to have that so much so much content and and to get all that content out. I mean, how many people you know do a five hour show and do it fluently like we do with really no commercials? So. I feel like I said, uh, thank you to everybody and the fans that, you know, tune in. I have a lot of people listening to our audio feed uh, all around the country. So I'm sure people are enjoying it from Seattle to, you know, even Israel and L.A. So thank you to all the fans for tuning in with us tonight for five hours. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Three hour show. Stay tuned until then. Good night to everybody. Have a good night and we'll talk to you tomorrow. And it's my birthday week. So Saturday, woohoo, 41. Goodbye.
0: It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.